This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped just launched new products to keep you smelling amazing this holiday season, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or your loved ones the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and jingle balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code LASERTIME for 20% off plus free shipping. Harry Potter debuts, Twilight Breaks Dawn, and Martin Scorsese Capes Fear this week on 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, 30, 2010. Each week taking you on a, a rip roaring journey across the decades, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. We'll tell you all the cool movies, TV shows, albums, video games, and there are a lot of all of those things. Very important things coming out in every single decade. This, there's not even any time to fuck around. This is an explicit show if I haven't ever said that at the top before. I am one of your uh, hosts, Chris Antista. This is with me. I'm Diana Goodman, and I had like 18 clever things to say instead I'm going to say R.I.P. Dean Stockwell. Man, that's Aww. fucked up. I, it, yeah. And I thought he was dead already, but I always confuse him with that other dude who's in a bunch of David Lynch movies. Uh, uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, yep. <laughs> also dead? Also dead, yes. for sure. Dean Stockwell is one of those guys I just always like because he was never a star, but anytime he showed up, you're like, oh, this is about to get good. Well, yeah. I confuse him because he's in so many, like, rock music and drug stories just like Harry Dean Stanton. Like, and... Well, I loved him in uh, Married to the Mob. Uh-oh. One of my favorite oh, movies yes. he was in. He was, like, that cool gangster cat person. Like, uh, that scene where he was attacking the clown in the in the drive-thru window was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We have who else? It's her, Sarah. Introduce yourself. No, Sarah. it's me, Massive Headwind Sarah. Ah, there you go. And then a very <laughs> special guest, not replacing Sarah this week. Hey, again, she moves in mysterious ways. <gasps> Sonia Bellantine. Sonia. Hey, Sonia. Where can That's I get that name right. on a T-shirt? <laughs> I sent you the link a bunch of times. I know. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Thank you so much for joining us. And you're here. How do we want to do this? We just are... well, we I I brought her in for backup. I'll just put it that way. I brought her in for backup because we're going to be talking about what's probably my favorite album of all time. Really? And I find it hard to talk about what I like about music. Like I just run out of words. It's just like, and that part was great, and this other part, oh, it was really great. Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing in Sony to pinch. No, it for I. Me. I... Coincidentally, also a 30-year-old sketch, I become Chris Farley in the Chris Farley show. You remember that part <laughs> that went like drums? It's awesome. It's awesome. You can find Sona on what shows? Uh, Live from the Pool House? Live from the Pool House at Honey Child, Honey underscore Child, for my uh, indigenous content. And to be the third girl on this chat so we can yell at Chris. Yay! <laughs> yes. Thank God funny. I have it being ganged up on fetish. Haha, ruined it for all three of you. <laughs> ruined it for all three of you. Can't enjoy it. But I got to give a shout out to our executive producer, Landon Justinen. If that's really how you pronounce his name, seems Canadian. But thank you very much to you and our many other fine patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. We've been late on getting some bonus content. Oh, but oh boy, do we have a lot. Bonus video game shows featuring the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. They put up a show every Friday. Bonus class. Corner shows, bonus bonus times that Sonia has been on, also talking about you two. Uh, 
Sometime being moved in mysterious ways. I, <laughs> uh, that was a good episode. Uh, did I put that up on my end? The one where we talked about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Where you call- I don't think it actually went up. Like we should, you should put it up on your end. Too, okay, I will. Def- I thought it was. I was waiting for you guys. I thought that was one of your bonus shows. Yeah, we fell off the planet for a while because both me and TL like got the in cahoots with the mafia, and, like, and it was it was a big thing. I'm not <laughs> a mafia. <laughs> I'm just Italian. <laughs> It happens. <laughs> but yeah, we will we'll be returning. Well, as of this recording, we're returning just because we had a little bit of a, a snafu in our personal lives. So we, we, we're we back soon. I don't know what that's like. Um, <laughs> looks at yeah. recently received hospital bill and reiterates patreon.com slash laser. <laughs> yeah, your poor appendix. Like, oh, oh man. Like, yeah. I don't know. The appendix is like, the appendix is like, you know what? It's best if we spend some time apart. That's <laughs> That's why I think I, his way of like easing into the breakup. Like I keep saying, my appendix did the thing just because it doesn't do anything else. <laughs> well, except, all it does is try to kill you. Except almost kill you. Well, Chris, if you ever need to marry somebody for health care, I'm here. I do. I'm canceling my health insurance as soon as possible because <laughs> oh holy my shit! Get rid of He's this. gonna take me to see you too, though. That's, like that's all I ask. That's him. fine. <laughs> Hope you like Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about Jacksonville. That's a TL question on Live from the Pool House. Seriously, that show's really fun. Yes. (laughs) I've been on it. It, Again, it was my, was I the first white guy on your show? Yes. Because your first um, question to me was like, what's it like to be privileged? I'm like, cool. This is a great way to start a show. Are Um, you telling me you attempted to colonize the show? Because, (laughs) wow, I know you're Italian, but rude. I was just (laughs) trying, I was just trying to establish trade. <laughs> well, we had Diana on because we uh, did an episode with, about Zaza Gabor, so I knew yep. she was the best person to get on the show for that one. That, that was had... a lot of fun. Well, yeah. You haven't <laughs> even said Live from Pool House. It's about Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, yes, Live from and... the Pool House about Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and and then I was on uh, with Queen Latifah, and it turned out that was her acting debut. Yes, wow. that was like one of the best what episodes the ever. And yeah, like uh, if you ever want to see a show, like because that that show is not something that can be looked at by from the white gaze specifically so if you want like a deep in look like race relations at that time that fresh prince came out and how relevant it still is today go check it out it's amazing i hope, Plus, I hope a lot of jokes. my perspective was okay because i was one of the few pre-existing fresh prince and dj jazzy jeff fans when the show came out like yeah you I, wore your like neon colored shirt to yeah the, to I, the recording i won their cd at a, at a fair in a <laughs> And I was already a fan when the show came on. I was losing my mind. Can't believe, I didn't even know what these guys looked like. This is great. Of course, I know what they look like. They're all over their album. But anyway, we, we'll move on to 30 2010 content because, oh boy, is there a lot of fun stuff to dish on. And we move this up to news. Is that okay to move this up to news? It's t- TV news, but yeah. what better time to bring it up when there's uh, three ladies ready to talk? The first condom TV ad on network television airs in the U.S. this week. Ironically, I guess not ironically, uh, during Herman's Head on, <laughs> on, uh, mm-hmm. on Fox. Fox, the only, the new network, the only one willing to do this because the other network Something ribald, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, yep. That's a, what's that? Is that from The that's Simpsons? The Simpsons, yeah. And yeah, Fox was at this, at this point known as a network for taking chances on content like scandalous or not, and we're take, now taking a chance on advertisers under one stipulation that mm-hmm. they do not bring up birth control and just talk it about as something that prevents STDs. 
So, so wild. Yeah, it's like that was the stipulation. Like you cannot mention in this ad that this is for contraception. Mm -hmm. It's only for preventing STDs, which kind of surprised me, honestly. But then when you're looking at it in the context of everything that happened with Magic Johnson, like kind of recently, it does oh, it kind of make sense. He, but... he even, I, I read a transcript of the commercial. I couldn't find it. But he does yeah. say, like, I'm a nice guy, but some really bad things keep happening to some nice guys. Yep. Oh. And, and again, I just wanted to see your take because it, this really is a <laughs> the only birth control ad this country has ever seen. And it's... Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's so weird that 30 years later, every ad that I see for condoms never mentions SGDs. Oh, yes. They, they're entirely about, you know, pleasure for him and her. And they it's still, for her they still the in America. The opposite of what it what makes sense to advertise condoms mm -hmm. for, of like, this brand of condoms, you won't die. It's great. <laughs> well, I, and I, as the only Canadian in this room, um, I, I've all, uh, like, America has always been very puritan in terms oh, yes. of its sex sex on tv sex uh and co commercials that sort of thing which is hilarious considering your film content it is so rates. weird because we had like the grassy junior high when i was a kid talking about condoms like mm -hmm. like cbc was on that shit like especially with kids in the hall like uh was a gay man on the show like talking about condoms so like by the time i was like mark I was he said don't forget to use one of these to mark mckinney when he was gonna fuck that urn full of the girl's ashes <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. um <laughs> What a bad sketch. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's so bizarre to me to, like, America in general is so, like, sex, sex, sex about everything in terms of films. Yeah. Putting, like, Gal Gadot in, like, the, 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 the tightest dress you can. But then, like, condoms. Oh, no, we can't talk about that oh, no, there was, TV. There was preceding this commercial was probably a bunch of swinging titties and Spuds McKenzie and no one batted an eye. And I, I just want to point out, in the condom ads that I've seen to this day in America, do not point out any contraceptive benefits nope. at all. No. Do not mention children mm -hmm. to this. And I, I was just well, supposing that because I kept looking for this in the condom commercials in Europe for years. I think they had a series of like just a kid losing his shit in the grocery aisle and throwing stuff everywhere and then cuts <laughs> to the parents. And it's just like, <laughs> like you spatula condoms don't have children. Uh, and like, that was just, not where I expected you to go with that, with that story. <laughs> I was like losing it, his shit in the, in the yeah. I was like, Whoa, Europe. Down I there. think I know the kind that you're talking about. It's just like a really obnoxious three-year-old yes. screaming and crying, and it's like, yeah, use our product, and you don't have to. Yeah. Mentions condoms it. once at the end, and that's it. And <laughs> <laughs> the nowadays condom commercials are definitely all about pleasure, yes. because mm -hmm. there's been so much. So they don't even talk about really contraceptive contraception no. or disease prevention. It's literally just, hey. You can still have good sex with our condoms. Like, come on, y'all. It's fine. Which, you know, good. Okay. I mean, we've kind of all figured out what condoms are for now. We don't really have to educate on that part of it, probably. Yeah, bachelorette party balloons. What up? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty wild, though. It took until 91 to get one on network television. Network television. Because well, I, yeah. did, I did find one from 1975. What? And, yes. And uh, they would air condom ads because there used to be more non-network affiliated channels. Mm -hmm. And there aren't, there kind of are not anymore. And that's what's so striking because I don't think I've seen an American condom ad that talks about, hey, this is about controlling when you have children. And this is very clear about it. It is a guy quoting that Bible verse that most of us know better as the bird song, turn, turn, turn. A time to live, a time to die, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I looked at the same ad and okay. it was, it's uh, pretty progressive. Yeah. yeah. Time to mourn. 
and a time to dance. The makers of Trojan condoms believe there is a time for children, the right time, when they are wanted. And Trojans have helped people for over half a century safely practice responsible parents. They, they have? Wow. That, that Trojan's been and around they, that long, and I, I never knew who they were until they started advertising. I wasn't having visuals, sex at this point. But. <laughs> the visuals of that, though, is like a couple that's like fully clothed running on the beach like towards the dunes. Like they're going to oh. fuck in the dunes. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. One of them gets eaten by the shark from Jaws. I thought, like. it, was, I thought, it, was, very, I thought it was a very Valtrex kind of commercial. But. <laughs> <laughs> this that's the same couple actually the one from the trojan ad that's like running through the beach like oh wait honey get your condoms that's the same couple from the cialis ad that are sitting in two different bathtubs that are holding hands <laughs> on the dock yeah. is soaking Aww. their flaccid genitals well and you know what they stay together at first it was just for the kids but then they rekindled you know after mm-hmm. the kids went yeah. away for college empty nest syndrome yeah, yeah everything you know <laughs> That's nice. It occurred. It occurred to me I didn't know a brand of condom until they did start advertising, and I was mm-hmm. eleven, so I'm not the target market. But that Trojan's been around for a really long time and has been desperate to. And it was this. There was another article I saw. This mad race to get to television first, and I would argue that's why most of us do know that Trojan is a condom brand because it hit the radio not long after that, which I mm-hmm. did have like infinite access to, and that Trojan man shit. Is still around. So condoms. I, I, this has been our longest opening ever, but condoms. It's important. Yeah, wear condoms. If you're going to use a condom, you got to do it naked gun 33 and a third style. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, you practice safe sex? sex? Yes. <laughs> That's sperm. actually how I learned how, like, when I was a kid, I thought they were just like, you used them rolled. That's how I knew you were supposed to put them down. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. I was like, I, and then I had sex ed in grade five. I love that for you. <laughs> yeah. We Floridians had to wait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> had to wait until we Actually, were... I still haven't had it. You you only get sex ed when you're 40. Yeah. No, the girl's too <laughs> horny. We're not going to tell her anything about this. <laughs> it looks like you're a grandmother now, so it's time for sex ed. Yeah. I mean, hello. Have you heard of the villages? That is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to the movies of 1991, November 12th to the 18th. That's the period we'll be talking about across three decades. It's 1991, 2001, and 2011. Thank you for sticking with us because our preamble has been wonderfully informal and I've had a good time. I'm glad Sonia's here. Each one of these segments, it's usually we got like two or three or four like indie movies we've got to blow through. Mm -hmm. And almost all the segments, there's like one other movie and then the big guns. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's some big guns, and the the one that's not as huge as 91, but mm-hmm. I cannot wait to talk about it. But let's blow through the smaller ones. 29th Street with Danny Aiello and Anthony LaPaglia mm-hmm. has decent reviews about like Danny Aiello is really unlucky, and his son Anthony LaPaglia is really lucky, and I think wins the lotto. And then there's conflict there. I had a hard time finding it to actually watch it, but uh, Anthony LaPaglia shows up later on in the show, so I thought I'd throw it in hey. there. And then. Kafka, which is a Steven What's Soderbergh that about? movie, starring Jeremy Irons, Teresa Russell, Ian Holm, and Alec Guinness in one of his final roles. Oh, yeah, and, and he's a lot younger than I thought he was. He's 77. And I'm like, I thought he was 90. Yeah, he, he did, he's, <laughs> um, he's dead like uh, by the end of the decade. So He's dead in a couple years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kafka is kind of about Franz Kafka and is kind of about his stories, The Trial and The Castle. It's very moody and creepy and black and whitey, and reviews are only so-so. 
and I started watching it and I kind of drifted off it because I've seen Orson Welles' version of the trial, which is outstanding. And I was like, why, why even trying? But then just last year, Steven Soderbergh went back and like recut it. And I think reshot some stuff. What? And there's a new version out that screened at Cannes last year. And I haven't seen it. You've never done making films when you're a filmmaker, basically. No. I saw that movie when I was a kid because I had a crush on Jeremy Irons and I watched his full <laughs> filmography. <laughs> so wow. I don't remember it at all, though. Yeah. I love that so much. Where did the crush start? And please, I want the answer to be uh, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. It was possibly that. It was also because um, when I was a kid, I like I read Lolita the wrong way, basically. Oh, no. <laughs> like, wow. I was one of those horrible girls where I was like, man, I wish like a hot Ooh. British guy would be into me that was older. That would be yeah. awesome. And then I grew up and realized... Okay, I was a dumbass. Like <laughs> that, that Dominique Swain Lolita has some real confusing effects, I think, on a lot of women of our generation. Exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I think I think that is an excellent segue into the next film. hundred yeah. percent. Uh, we have a Lolita thing going on here in as Scorsese making a horror film. Yes. And when I, I, I think when I look at the films that are out this week and how well this movie does, it is number one at the box office, Cape Fear, Scorsese is a critical indie and commercial darling, which that doesn't overlap very often. So nope. they're like, everybody's going to go to this movie. There's no need to even counter-program it with our indies because this is this has indie cred too. And yep. it's packed with huge stars. Yes. It's got huge <laughs> stars in it. He's coming off of Goodfellas, which is like, oh shit, he's back and it's serious. It's technically a remake. So you can get some people who like the original back in. And like I've said before, the best remakes are horror remakes of the 50s and 60s yeah, where you can amp up the violence, <laughs> but hopefully not get gratuitous with it. And this movie does a fantastic job of just keeping you on edge the whole time. And then when there is violence, it's so fucking it's shocking. awful. Uh, yes, like that scene with the with the flare and it's burning his oof. hand and like and oof. he just like throws it out the window. Like it, mm. I saw that way too young. That That's, scared oh. the crap out of me. That was Jurassic yeah. Park, but we'll talk about that later too. <laughs> <laughs> but Ileana Douglas, <laughs> who sacrificed her cheek for this. Fred Dalton Thompson, Joe Don Baker, was, uh, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Rapaz, one's called Career Slob, Joe Don Baker. Oh, uh, he needs a bad end in this. Poor Mitchell. <laughs> Gre- Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum. Uh, making original cameos. stars. Mm-hmm. Yep. Juliette Lewis, Jessica, getting an Oscar Her was amazing in her, that movie. Her yeah. big debut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She's already, she was already in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I know, but she pulls an Oscar nomination for this. She comes a star. Come on. Chris, uh, Jessica, uh, Jessica Lange, uh, Nick Nolte, and Robert De Niro in his penultimate collaboration with Scorsese for a long time. Cape Fear, baby. Number one at the box office this week. He paid his debt to society. What was he in prison for? Now. Come out, come out, wherever you are. I want you the hell off my property! He's paying back his lawyer. You have a daughter around 16? 16? What? We got the psychopath in our faces? Big and ladies. I mean, who knows what's true and what isn't? From director Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Nick Nolte, Jessica Lange, Cape Fear, rated R. This, this movie's excellent. Oh, this movie <laughs> is beautiful, yeah. Like, in a horrible way. Yeah. It's so dope, and I wish we had, like, four hours to unpack it, because mm-hmm. there's so much to unpack in this movie. It's mm-hmm. wild. But first of all, let me just get this out of the way. The first exposure I had to Cape Fear was 
through The Simpsons. Yes, of course. Gonna, yes. You? Of course. <laughs> and I know. That's the town. The, the Yeah, I think that you have to mention that. And it, mm. it's so hard for people who are so familiar with The Simpsons to watch this because it, when you watch the film, honestly, either version, you appreciate what a great job they did note for note hitting the plot in, you know, 20 yep. minutes. And, and the music. They're using the, and they're using the music, the original Bernard Herrmann score from the 62 version adapted here by Elmer Bernstein, which is so perfect. But that, so I, I was the, even on the wiki, they have like a list of its references and it's like Rick and Morty. If you have not seen that episode, because she yells, I'm doing it like in Cape Fear. And that was <laughs> that was like less than 10 years ago. And multiple wrestlers, including including the recently released Bray Wyatt, are based off of De Niro's character in this oh. film. Yeah, like Hawaiian well, shirt-wearing, white-hatted guy who who uh, quietly puts menace in the hearts of everyone. Oh, this movie should just be called Dread, yeah. the movie, honestly. <laughs> like, it is menacing. Yeah, it is just really upsetting. Like, that whole scene where they attack De Niro's character and um, Nick Nolte hides behind the dumpster and he doesn't do anything. He just threatens him, basically. That was... So it, it, as a filmmaker, this was one... Like, as a kid watching this, this was one of my favorite movies in terms of making you upset without without having to utilize gore or like sexual assault even though there is a sexual assault in the in the movie but the way that Nick Nolte and Robert De Niro in that scene on the boat where he has him where he's judging him basically just the way Nick Nolte yells at him about like why he didn't defend him to the best of his ability is just like so good like I know people make fun of Nick Nolte now but mm-hmm. like in that role, you know what's looking into the looking into the background is the casting on all this. Another theme for this week is oh, this was almost Steven Spielberg, and then he decided yes. to go do something else. That was supposed to be but, Harrison Ford and like all these. Yeah, it was supposed people, to be like... Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford said, "I want to play the bad guy." Yeah, oh. which would have been a very different movie but it could have been fascinating to have just yeah. such an everyman looking guy because I, I looked into talking and threatening your family this is the worst character de niro has ever played including his scorsese films he yeah. stole a yeah. little bit and in, in like a, but he doesn't like hurt that many people in in the in martin scorsese's films most of the time he's a, a romantic lead that's or, an interesting point yeah, yeah so this, okay this, the this, plot they kind of outlined it in the ad but let me explain it a little bit yeah. better is that robert de niro is getting out of prison after having been there for being convicted of a violent rape and battery of a teenager and nick nolte plays his lawyer and it's like, well, why is he stalking his defense lawyer? And it's because he thinks his defense lawyer hid information that might have kept him out of prison. And, and the information, yeah, like was something like you you didn't bring up that she was promiscuous. You didn't bring that up. And right. and there's this beautiful line where Nolte's like, that shouldn't have mattered, basically. Yeah. And I was just and like, he's, oh, he's completely right. It's, I mean, it's way ahead of me, too. But yeah, he's completely right. It doesn't matter, you know, if a 16 year old was promiscuous or not but De Niro's decided okay you ruin my life I'm going to ruin your life and he starts very carefully stalking and terrorizing this family all in ways that he has plausible deniability mm-hmm. and the way he stalks the daughter like by going into like Fuck by me. grooming her basically mm-hmm. and like and like it's so insidious I just love it and, and like, it's, like it's the so... way she reacts to him when he's on the boat again and like oh uh, I could talk about this scene for a million trillion years. Like, this is why Juliette Lewis is a good actress. I love her so much. 
But that she's scene, like twenty three and boat. she's playing like fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. Well, she's playing it so well, and yeah. when she's doing that thing where she's like half laughing, half crying because she's so terrified, like, yeah, terrified yep. and overcome. And also, I think there's an element of shame there that she mm-hmm. felt weirdly attracted to him when he was paying attention to her, and he didn't. She didn't really know what to do with it. And there's this feeling of guilt too, like which is different from shame, where she thinks like maybe <laughs> she brought this on the family in some way, like. There yeah. is so much going on there with her, and she does it so beautiful. That is I, a great I found role. Her, she does scene, a great job with it. The scene in the high school, the most like, wow, could they even shoot that today? That was like genuinely disturbing and off-putting. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And every, everybody like, who remember... buys a ticket for this movie just to see Juliet Lewis should be put in a list. And because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not not sexual. It's fucking right? weird, and I don't I don't think mm-hmm. anybody would shoot that this way anymore well the way you, they would shoot it nowadays is it would be a lot more titillating like oh, in a very so? very terrible way like this like but the not, way they not shoot drawn it, out for like 15 minutes Holy yeah shit. and this mm. one it makes it horrifying because you're like you know how bad he is mm. you know this girl is young and you know that she's in danger because she doesn't really know who he is i i think mm-hmm. from, yeah, and so like he's just this weirdo in in her class Juliet lewis mm. has a consistently like child's face like always has mm-hmm. but is like clearly a full-grown woman <laughs> and it's genuinely disturbing to watch her those two talk i, I don't know that was the part that i was like holy shit that and the iliana douglas violence like oh that was yeah I, oh. i've seen this movie like three times and, and I, I wasn't ready for it <laughs> and i i do think that we should probably like if anyone has not seen this movie for the like at all oh, like i absolutely all the trigger warnings it, but i would put it like a definitely a trigger warning all on the warnings it, um for even a dog you know, dies all of the warnings just yeah, don't do yeah. it. You don't see the dog die though i will put that out so like it's just that know. he did though we, we actually so when sam and i sat down to watch this together because we had both seen it and i i couldn't remember a lot of it though so we sat down to watch it again and as soon as i saw that dog i was like does this dog die and he looked it up <laughs> on our favorite website does the dog die.com which is your absolute greatest resource for trigger warnings but it, it tells you exactly you know i would i would when say to stop watching if something use that website just to brace yourself don't stop watching anything because a dog die. the dog always no, dies know. first no that's what i'm saying is that <laughs> the bell you can at least brace yourself for it. Yeah, yeah exactly right. you, it'll tell you like when that scene is coming up so you know like what you know what to prepare you close that draft of the fan letter to that dog 1991 (laughs) okay for a lot of people that is like very disturbing and triggering i know what you're talking about it is yeah like and and the sex scene like the the sexual assault scene in this though not explicit is gory and horrifying like i'm i distinctly remember it being like you don't see anything but it's like the gore is effective. And I yeah. think a lot of people, if you're a filmmaker and you want to watch an effective use of gore and mm-hmm. like watch this movie, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 Another one more theme for the week though. Hitchcock. Oh my God. I was about to ask you about that, Diana, actually. Oh because, yeah. Oh, there were so many parts of this movie that I was like, this feels like Hitchcock. And then when he turns around and he's actually wearing the wig, <laughs> I was like, what the Oh yeah. Watching. <laughs> no, I mean Scorsese is a director who steals from everybody. Yeah, even doesn't just care. And, and what I love about this movie up. is that he doesn't care that you know who he's stealing from. Like, yeah, like, yeah. come on, it's an homage. homage. I, and I'm gonna no do best. this. I'm gonna do this so hard that you're. It's you're gonna. You're gonna. Oh, is he doing a Hitchcock thing? Yes. Stay tuned for the next two hours because he's gonna keep doing it really hard and crank yep. up. I don't know that scores are used this loudly 
in movies oh. in 1991. <laughs> it is such a great score, though. I mean, the second you hear it, you're just like, well, something real bad's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep hearing it every now and then just use this like standard music for like really dramatic thing. I mean, it should, it should be a TikTok meme. I don't know why it isn't yeah. already. There's also something to be said, too, and I think this lends to Scorsese, like barring paying homage to so many people, that it feels to me in a lot of ways like a Wes Anderson film and that it feels like out of time. Like yeah. it, yeah. I don't know what time period this is supposed to be set. Everybody's during. driving old cars and eating in old fifties restaurants and shit. Yeah, it's weird. But it's, I think it's supposed to be modern for ninety one. It is. Yeah. yeah. I- but it doesn't feel like it at I think all, based on the way it's shot and the way people Sarah, are, I think, are dressed. I think it's 1991 Hollywood, their version of what they think the South is at that point. <laughs> yeah, um, like Robert De Niro is basically what I think Florida is like. No, they're not wrong. So wrong. And his, and his, accent, his, yeah. his accent is is pretty okay, like as far as accents Y'all go. Y'all are smoking cigars while watching Problem Child and yelling. Look, and yelling with laughter. That scene is pretty fine. Much. Problem Child is a hilarious movie. Everybody should be laughing out loud. I knew you would take umbrage with that. I do. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but this, so is this movie. And I, I just, I can't think of much else like it. Like Tarantino makes genre motifs and the, maybe like the artist or something like that. But I don't know the background that the well that Scorsese is pulling from, but it's unique to in, in his resume. It's unique to 1991. I, I love this movie. I, I could watch yeah. this once a year and I, I can't recommend it enough to our audience. Yeah. And it's uh, streaming on stars, sadly. But, uh, you know, you can, you can rent it. You can rent or it. Or you could do illegal things. No, okay. Yes. <laughs> no, I heard you do illegal things. Always do illegal things. That's always an option. <laughs> always be criming. Well, <laughs> unless we get that Paramount Plus sponsorship, a mountain of content. I'm dying to talk about it, people. I know you're listening. Cape Fear, big recommend from everybody. Absolutely. Awesome. It's my lock of the week. Yeah. Lock of the yeah. week from Sonia. <laughs> Sonia the Greek says so good. <laughs> everybody go watch Cape Fear. Uh, moving into television of 1991. And if, if you thought the condom ad on Herman's head couldn't get bigger, that's happening in the same week as... One of the biggest moments for me on television, Mike, the Michael Jackson video for Black or White debuts. Oh, simultaneously was... on multiple channels: Fox, BET, yep. MTV, and VH1. Can I say something really quickly about this video? You're not here so... to talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so I was five years old when this video came out, and I was a powwow dancer at this time. I was a jingle oh. dress dancer at this time, and I'd never seen a kid like me on TV. Watch this video. Oh. And he's dancing with a jingle dress dancer who's my age. And I was like, I was so excited about that because it was like, oh my God, like I am on TV and I'm important enough to be in this video. And it was the first time I'd ever felt seen as an indigenous kid. And it was like so cool to be not appropriated but appreciate it. Mm. Like, cause that's what this video is about. It's not about appropriation. It's about celebrating the cultures that he shows and in their own styles and in their own culture, in, in their own cultural garb. And like, say what you will about Michael Jackson. Like me and TL had this huge conversation on live from the pool house recently. It'll be coming out soon where we discussed that idea of like separating Michael Jackson, Jackson, the artist and Michael Jackson, the pedophile and mm-hmm. yeah like I still can't get over the feeling I felt being seen in such an important way. So, yeah, yeah. That's, I love this well, video. That's yeah, super important. That is yeah. your feeling. That is, that's solely yours. And that should be separated from anything that 
the monster did, you know, but the artist did something else for you. And, yeah. And and this, you have to make that separation. However, this, however, this all the money you, when you listen to Michael Jackson, you and. funnel money into a pedophile ring that's involved in a cover up to this guy. <laughs> I only steal music. There you go. It's steal Sonia. his music. <laughs> Sonia out. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean the song is fantastic. The video yeah. is great. Ah, I mean, just, I felt just I felt seen because until, my dad is also George Went. <laughs> no, until a certain point, and I swear to God, he did this on purpose just to cause controversy. Yeah. The, the the song ends in the big debut. The song ends, ah, and he becomes a panther, and he goes to a car. It turns back into Michael Jackson and then dances around and beats on the car for a couple mm-hmm. of minutes. Yeah. Woo! And really grabs himself an awful lot. And it's like, what? Why is this here? The song is over. Oh, come on. You I saw don't Thriller. Understand. Thriller's a 15 minute video with three minutes of song. It's like he was so, doing this a lot. He, yeah. So everyone watches the video and like, that's an amazing video. What the hell was that last part where the song is over and he's just like jerking Sorry, it and, and yeah. punching a car? Dance scatting, I would call yeah. it. <laughs> oh, and I should say this episode, because uh, I remember it very well. I was recording every episode of The Simpsons. It came on after the episode Bart the Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And they cut out about a minute or two of footage from Bart the Daredevil to make room for this. And I, there's no internet. No one else got a different version of The Simpsons that night. And I didn't know that for like 10 years until I saw it in a rerun. Like, oh, you actually see The Simpsons chewed up by Truckosaurus. I didn't know that because Michael Jackson had to have three minutes to himself to dance as a puma and then break a single car. These were <laughs> things. Jaguar, please. The these, are things these are things that were uh, impressive to us back in the music video days. Yeah. And it's like, I guess the car had like racist graffiti on it, but it was really hard to see. Yeah. I didn't. I. Mm-hmm. And is that is that why he like, did it? What was that? Uh, is, I guess because he's mad about that. racism. Because that's the point of the song. Is there racism on the car? We all had like thirteen inch, one hundred p televisions. No one saw that shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was a really rich boy over there. <laughs> <laughs> we had fifty p and we liked it. <laughs> yeah, but no, this song will end up. It'll basically be number one for the rest of the year because it's a jam, and the video is freaking great. It had some. Really cool computer animation, which honestly holds up. It's really good. It's yeah, the crazy it part. Look, it's groundbreaking. That Mor- video, morphing yeah. technology. Wait, Tista, how many times have I made you watch this music video during our music video? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but like, I, I like, I, I when we talk about Michael Jackson, I wasn't there or like cognizant for Thriller. Really, I was there for like the aftermath of all that shit. This is the mm. Michael Jackson hype I grew up in. This is yeah. what I remember. This I was yeah, there every Pepsi day for Michael this. Jackson, yeah. I was yeah. <laughs> Pepsi Michael. The, uh, I love defining his this stage of his career like that. But yeah, this is the yeah. first album, Michael Jackson album I went out and bought myself or asked my uh, parents to buy me. Yeah. This is for dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The one with the creepy calliope the eye thing, yes, yeah. theater thing mm-hmm. happening on his on the album cover. But all the videos on this were amazing and they became incredible cultural events that like literally took a, I I remember by the on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, NBC will get on the game, too, and preempt Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to show, like, Jam or something like that. Is this the the album, uh, is Dangerous, the album with the Eddie Murphy video? Yes, I Remember the Time. I was that. Remember the that Time. It's the, it's the next video, and it's okay, also a phenomenon. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm on, isn't it, too? And like, Magic Johnson. She's like a queen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was so cool. That's, that that's the actual best song on the album. Remember yeah, the it kind of is, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
because I can't listen to the black or white. Look, I'm not not listening to Michael Jackson anymore. I made a promise to all those kids who were molested, and then <laughs> they appreciate it. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Where's my check? Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. <laughs> Just kidding. And on the uh, moving on to the 18th, George Carlin uh, takes over as the conductor on Shining Time Station with Ringo Starr. Um, I love that these two people could have the same job. They fired me. me so happy. <laughs> Uh, and I, I was trying to find the clip, but George Carlin makes jokes about this, and it's edited out of his albums, but not edited out of the video, if you can find the video. He makes a joke about being the conductor. And I think when he's going on a rant, how your kids are overrated and suck. <laughs> but I, but I also <laughs> entertained wrong? them and taught them for years and years and years. I've never heard of this on the 13th. Oh. We have, let's just say, one of the greatest collaborations between Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold, this side of Freddy's Dead. With Johnny Galecki. With Johnny also. Galecki. Oh. Backfield From, Emotion. Yeah. Latter-day Back billionaire, in- Johnny Galecki. Right? Uh, yeah, Backfield Emotion. I just wanted to pull it because I love that they, this is obviously a selling point. You've got this you know, married couple is in the news and also the kid from her show in a movie, TV movie that is a comedy about a football obsessed suburban town where Roseanne Barr organizes the moms to play a football game against their sons. What? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing in the rule book that says that moms can't play football. I mean, it was, <laughs> Air it, it was at least apply. a three minute premise in the movie Old Dogs. So I, I guess I'll, I'll have to stand by it. And we also have, is this another TV movie? Chance of a Lifetime. Yeah, listen to this, love this cast. Uh, some of our favorite old people. The funniest woman in television takes a chance Betty White. the funniest man in the movie. Leslie Nielsen. Sounds like we're perfect for each other. What happens when a golden girl meets a man with a naked gun? You must be unbelievably horny. Hello! Leslie Nielsen falls for Betty White in the radical romantic comedy Chance of a Lifetime, NBC <laughs> Yeah. With the Arthur music behind well. it. <laughs> yeah, the music that was already tw- 10 years old at that point. <laughs> Betty White plays a, a woman who is told that she only has a small amount of time left to live. So she goes on this whirlwind vacation, meets Leslie Nielsen, falls in love, or nice at beaver. least in lust, <laughs> and then finds out actually just kidding. She still has plenty of time left to live. As we know now, yeah. 30 years and you later. you outlive Leslie Nielsen by like 15 years. Holy shit. Dude, she's older than Leslie Nielsen. Wow. <laughs> she's like five years older than Leslie Robin Nielsen. Robin the Cradell. And so, <laughs> yeah. it's And then so what is she going to do with this handsome white-haired fox that is pursuing her? Is she going to still stay with him? So that's the plot of this fun TV movie. Oh, I, and, and also, like, we don't associate comedies when we think of TV movies. And here we have two of them. Yeah. In the middle of November, yeah. but it's usually it's, it's, it's like a very dramatic Susan Lucci joint, which yeah. also happened this week. I just can't. <laughs> are we going to pull them every single time now? <laughs> um, uh, we also have, uh, thank you, Diana, for throwing in this in here. I imagine you did this. It's very uh, important. One Honestly, the, should be a national holiday. It should. It's one of the best episodes of Mystery Science Theater 2000 ever. The sequel to The Amazing Colossal Man, The War of the Colossal Beast. Another episode that's uh, not on DVD, but they, the short that precedes it is quite possibly the creepiest character in all of industrial filmage. Sure you can be popular. Oh, Mr. Sure you B. you can be in a band. <laughs> and when do you see the kicks you'll get out of it, Buzz? Kicks. The glamour of the uniform. Kicks. The thrill of traveling for band competitions. The all-night coke jags and cheap hotels. Just like being a member of a football team. Oh, my God. Mr. B Natural was one of the more sexually confusing things I've ever seen in my life. It is a one of the hottest women's I've ever seen, named Mr. B Natural, who wants to sell me brass instruments. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a short by a musical instrument manufacturer trying to convince kids that playing in the school band is like the coolest thing you could do. Yeah. Yeah. We get it. You have noodle arms. Why don't you try playing a tuba in pressure, friends? Right. I mean, the come on. The trombone is like a big laugh, and the trumpet is like a happy king. Oh, and just the name, Mister B Natural, is creepy. It's it's it does seem like it should have a bunch of horror sound effects just by saying it, Mister. I think that's actually a Clive Barker book too, Mister. B Natural. Be gone, rather. Sorry. Oh, but again, Peter Pan. Like, who's the lady Peter Pan that we used to watch on television? Mary Martin. Mary Martin, Peter Pan vibes out the anus. A very pretty blonde lady in a leotard playing a boy. Oh my God! How did I get out of that straight? Oh, and it's just so. So beloved by Mystery Science Theater fans, yes. when I saw them live just a couple of years ago, a fan just showed up dressed like Mr. B. Natural, and it was just flawless outfit. I was so, I was so proud. But I believe Bridget <laughs> Nelson would play Mr. B. Natural several, several times throughout the series. Sometimes a short is so popular, that character will return to Mystery Science Theater 2000 for years. And <laughs> Mr. B. Natural was one of those. Sadly, only one short. Thank you, Jam Handy. We also have <laughs> SNL this week. Linda Hamilton, fresh off uh, Terminator 2, hosting the show with musical guest Mariah Carey, who has a new album out. And this has the Toonsinator. Big one. Uh, Toonses, but uh, Chris Farley show with Martin Scorsese, um, <laughs> which is really fun if you haven't seen it. But in every SNL highlight reel, Linda Hamilton is in almost all the ones that I own. And I remember her line, why did you invite him? I had to. He overheard me at work. It's massive head wound Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, great party. I'm sorry I'm late. I forgot where you lived. Oh, my God! (laughs) That's okay, Harry. I feel dizzy. Uh, Would you like to lay down, maybe in the garage? No, I just need some food to get my strength back. I I lost a lot of blood on the way over here. Oh, you got to try some of these shrimp, friend. <laughs> and the, audi- the audience loses its mind because he loses so much blood he has to lie down on the couch, getting his massive head wound blood all over. And a dog starts ripping it and very clearly takes the whole wig off. And Dana Carvey is struggling. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> oh, no, boy, no! And like trying to get the dog to li- give his hair back. And the audience is losing their mind. And he just picks his head up and says, He probably smells my dog. And it's. it's <laughs> I don't know if that was improvised, but it was delivered very perfectly after something went very wrong. Great sketch. It's in most of the SNL highlight reels from this era. Video games of 1991. I couldn't find anything specifically, but, uh, you know, Japan's gearing up for Link to the Past. And we dig way deeper on that on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. We tell you what arcade games came out, ports, PC games. It's just, if we've never told you that before... Uh, most of this information is incorrect. It takes hours to corroborate, and the Video Game Apocalypse boys jump into the dock and help me out with that. Uh, Video Game Apocalypse this week. Please tune into it. We're talking about unreliable narrators and Force of Five Horizon. Music of 1991. There's not much to talk about here. I'm just going to skip it. Oh, um, my God, no. <laughs> <and> <laughs> Jacob. Yeah, I'm, I mean, Get out I of the way, Chris. Get out of there. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> obviously, well, I should say, Cream by Prince and New Generation is still number one. Gross. Maybe- we also have Clandestine by Entombed. And clearly the thing that I brought Sonia on here to talk about, In Celebration by Yanni. Yes! So Sonia. <laughs> if I may say a couple things about Yanni, please. Pyramids. Um, yeah, Pyramids was like uh, was a jam for me as a child. Absolutely. Like I lo- ordered it twice off of, of the TV. Mm-hmm. 
Which took it took like about two months to get to my home in the middle of nowhere. But no, seriously, what are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about Octung Baby by U2, which is on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums list. So let me just begin by saying, basically, U2's Joshua Tree was Batman 60 and Octung Baby was the Dark Knight. That's how different they are from each other. That okay. is... A pretty solid comparison. Thank you. I was trying to I was trying to come up with a way to explain this, like without getting too deep into the like the lore, the detail of the making of this, but Joshua Tree was huge. They go out on tour, they rattle film and Rattle hum. and Hum. Yeah. They get really, really earnest and preachy and like they've turned into what they didn't want to turn into like they've turned into like the serious rock band who's going to save the world and they had been heavily criticized because of rattle and hum because they had covered so many american bands that like a lot of them a lot of them adored and so a lot of people saw them as comparing themselves or putting themselves in the pantheon of those great acts like elvis and like the the stones the beatles that sort of thing yes (laughs) yes we um, will (laughs) (laughs) and so so after Rattle and Hum, they were they weren't even sure if they wanted to stay together because they were having such massive difficulties deciding on what their next path was going to be. With Bono and Edge exploring like dance music and like I know Edge at this time was heavily into Nine Inch Nails. Like for yeah. some reason, yeah. So which is crazy because they are super underground at this time. Yeah, and so Nine Inch Nails uh, is not really a known quantity. And Adam and Larry really wanted to continue their Joshua Tree era type stuff. And so they were very close to breaking up at this time. And so what else was close, closely breaking up at this time? Berlin. So <laughs> everybody and their moms was trying to get out of East Berlin. You two were the only idiots trying to get back in. And so yep. they, they basically went to East Berlin and said, if we don't leave with an album, we're going to break up. They and couldn't come up with anything. For it wasn't time. working. They're like, oh, Brian Eno told us to go there because David Bowie and he did great albums there. And they got there and they thought like, you know, it's, you know, it's been exactly two years since the wall came down. Germany's reunited. It's going to be so exciting. And they get there and it fucking sucks. It's not inspirational at all. It blows. And they just start working on stuff and they come up with a very different sound and a ton of songs, even the upbeat ones that are about breaking up, mistrust, betrayal, uh, jealousy, jealousy, uh, insecurities. And it's like, I didn't realize, oh, I do have a favorite genre of music. It's upbeat songs about sad things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love. It turns out that's my favorite thing. Very into. Also love the inverse. Sad songs about great things. Happy things. <laughs> were, were, you, were you on that Laser Time episode that your husband planned out? The happy songs about the end of the world? Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. I, yeah. I, I on that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this album is like a trip because imagine it's 1991. You haven't seen any music videos of U2's most recent stuff. You just know you love Joshua Tree. You go and grab Actung Baby and yeah, it which starts Josh, with... Joshua Tree, I should say, is the one with like Streets Have No Name. Yeah, and, yeah, and their, their music videos you. are very straightforward, like guys playing instruments or like... Living longingly at the camera. Yeah, or just yeah. Dressed, yeah. dressed normally and then you introduce these like crazy sunglasses. I, I, I'm Again, like Diana, I don't feel very good at talking about music but my dad was a U2 fan so U2 was all throughout my house this is the first time we're like oh no I like this album dad you're listening to that old shit uh, <laughs> I got that but imagine baby. yeah like going from in the U2 fandom right now there are people that separate U2 80s with U2 90s and it's because right, of Acton okay. Baby there is a documentary about the making of this album called From the Sky Down which, which you was can shot find. in Winnipeg hey! <laughs> sorry that's where I'm from by the way. can't imagine people are like like, well, 
Well, I, I like where the streets have no name. What are those guys doing? What? <laughs> What's with all the weird distortion stuff? And there's, are they singing about Judas now? <laughs> but it's a love song, maybe? I don't know. Are oh, those two men kissing? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's one of the best songs about porn ever. Yes. Which one's that? And yeah. The and I mean, one, which is just. A, a solid it is, song. I can say around. this. It's the best song ever called One. Suck it, Metallica. Well, suck it, Cream. Yeah. It, wow. One was mm-hmm. actually the song in Berlin that saves the band because they believe that when they wrote that song, that it was song. basically Bono's heartbreak about the band eventually breaking up because oh. it was his way of being like, okay, we can't break up the best thing I ever had in my life. So we I like the song very much more it. now knowing that. <laughs> Holy shit. But yeah, yeah, listen to this album and just like, even if you're not a U2 fan, this is not classic U2 too this is the the one where they're like okay we're gonna throw out all our old fans and see what 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 hangs on yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was it that like we both just described it kind of threw my dad for a loop but like brought me into you too mm-hmm. i think that's so i'm a, i should tell you sonia you were my third choice for a guest i did try <laughs> to get adam scott and scott ackerman to come on oh yeah those oh, posers don't know that much are you talking you too to me <laughs> are you talking you two to me uh, I gave them about half an hour to get back to me, and they didn't. So we'll, we'll get them for talking heads. For are you yeah. talking heads to my talking our, head? Our fourth yeah. choice was Bono. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't but, know as much as I do. But I, I re-listened to them talking about Octane Baby in that episode, and I think it's Scott Ackerman said exactly what you said, Chris. We're just like you two, whatever. I know who they are. They're fine. I'm too hip for you two, whatever. I'm into indie shit. Oh my god, this is yeah, awesome. It's, it's like. <laughs> It, rock music for for me in my adolescence what i remember in a year we're just going to get like the wave of indian alternative and you two co-mingles with them the entire time and no one really yeah. says shit about it pearl jam i remember being called sellouts losers no one's talking shit about you two they're like hanging during all of this like it survives all these genres and fads it's... speaking of pearl jam i think they were actually one of the opening acts on zoo tv which wow, is the really? tour that you two did to support this album it was one of the biggest multimedia experiences that had been done and is, is such an influence on concert tours that would follow so that, and that so wasn't it really for set zoo... the standard for stadium tours that wasn't for zoo ropa no that was yeah. zoo ropa came out as the result of zoo tv so what was their yeah. fixation with zoo shit it just sounds fun oh. i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I mean, why not? Why not just call President George H.W. Bush every night and say, okay. hey, I have 10,000 of your people here. They want to talk to you. I've been watching <laughs> a lot of Zubilee. it's also based on Berlin because there was a Z station in Berlin as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a subway stop on yeah. the U2 line. Mm. Uh-huh. All uh, right, so I was going to go out with Mysterious Ways off of Octung Baby because it's probably the most popular song. Wild Horses, though. But I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we've all heard it. I think maybe yeah. we need something I, a little bit of a deeper cut. I hate that song and never want to listen to it again. You would like okay. it better if you saw it in concert. After we get yeah. married for the, it, for just, the healthcare, you can, you'll like it when I take you there. Mysterious <laughs> Ways is the song that has been played to death on all rock radio stations and yep. I like right. every other song and also on while I'm there. at the dentist's office <laughs> <laughs> alright so what Let's what are you guys thinking then even better than the real thing I, I mean I'm sorry one. I think guest choice Sonia yeah. Sonia what do we what do we close out with ultraviolet all right we'll take us out you two uh, when we get back to 2001 even more milestones talk to you Harry Potter don't move
Get ready to go jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. The holidays came early here at Laser Time, courtesy of Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. There is nothing worse than untrimmed body hair and pubes around the holidays. You really don't want to look like the abominable snowman or Santa's beard is coming out of your shirt or pants. You older gentlemen with white or gray pubes know exactly what I'm talking about. And yes, it may be sweater season, but you don't want to have the world's worst ugly sweater made out of body hair. You need to keep that hair in check with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. There's no better gift for yourself or a loved one we can think of than the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It comes with everything you need to trim your tree and the hair down there. Hair down there. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner to keep your south pole feeling and smelling fresh all day long. The Performance Package 4.0 even comes with a classic stocking stuffer, a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's the perfect package for your perfect package. Speaking of stocking stuffers, Manscaped is going beyond the groin and has some amazing new products that make great gifts like their new Ultra Premium Body Wash. It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. They also launched their new 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner, which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp, and strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, your husband, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, at manscaped.com. Make Santa proud this year. Add Manscaped to your wish list this season. Your Your balls balls will thank you. Thanks, Mom. Coming back into 2001 with Whenever, Wherever by Shakira off laundry service. Love this song so much. And also Mm. contains one of my favorite lyrics of all time. Lucky that my breasts are small and humble so you don't confuse them with mountains. (laughs) Oh my God. Some of the lyrics in that song are amazing. Like count the freckles on your body. I'm like, okay, this is, I could fucks with this song. Um, (laughs) 100%. Like this song, the lyrics feel like a poem, like a I don't know. I don't know if this song was the the first one I heard from her, but I wasn't old. I was still listening to music and watching MTV, and like I saw her for the first time in a Pepsi commercial, and mm-hmm. her vocal style was so like original. I was like, "Who the fuck is this? And why haven't I heard about this person?" And then she slowly came in after that Pepsi commercial. And this song, I I know I use it a lot in a podcast. I say whenever, wherever, everything Shakira saying about. I say that all the time as part of my normal speech patterns. <laughs> I really kind of like Shakira. It's just, she's yeah. really good. She's, she's fucking awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's. I'm, I always felt like it was a little too old to like seriously get into that pop trend. But you know, toxic masculinity dies hard. Everyone too busy listening yeah. to They Might Be Giants. Also out this week, although not this album. I've never heard of it in Holiday <laughs> Land. No, no. But um, 
I wasn't reading about music on the internet. All I had was like Rolling Stone to tell me when something was out. Mm. That my dad would occasionally get me in an airport. Uh, <laughs> MTV and the radio. So when they weren't playing, they might be giants. Uh, Blueprint mm. for a Sunrise by Yoko Ono. That's another album none of you knew were out. Going up against Driving Rain by Paul McCartney. They, she really oh. did break up the Beatles. Big drama. <laughs> World of Our Own by Westlife. Animosity by Seven Dust is out this week. Bad Dreams by Swollen Members. Hilarious. Uh, I Get Wet, the debut Canadian of Andrew band, W.K. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, uh, my God. I love I Get Wet. So good. Like, Andrew <laughs> W.K. is... I just wish more people loved him. Honestly, I love like, him. I love him so much, and he's just like a force of like this fun and in weirdness. The world that, like, honestly, he's basically like the hardcore analog to Weird Al as far as like <laughs> just a force of like fun and positivity in the world. I, like, I, I don't know anything about him, and I don't want to know anything about him. And he, like, what a gimmick! He just wears greasy hair and white clothes, and it's like he's still doing that. He hasn't dropped it at all. And, and I, he had a song, Babylon, that came out last year. Like, that was one of the heaviest fucking songs I'd heard in a long time. And that video was great. Look that shit up. Andrew WK. He's like the more positive version of Henry Rollins. Like, yes. if, if Henry Rollins is that uh, Crowley from uh, that Bill Heyman novel. Yeah, Good Omens. Then yeah. Andrew WK is the angel guy. I can't remember 100%. his name. 100%. And also, by the way, he bagged Kat Denning. So, hello. Hey. Like, he did. Okay. Bro, no knows what he's doing. Love Shelby by <laughs> Shelby Lynn is also out this week. Also, love Shelby Lynn. Sorry, she's amazing as well. Such a confident album title. Scarecrow by Garth Brooks, the Garth Brooks album I've never heard of, as opposed to like the three Garth Brooks albums I could not get away from. Um, I mean, G is in the house. Yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> and uh, this way by Jewel. Jewel. A Jewel album, everyone. No, nothing from yep. three ladies on Jewel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Family Affair by Mary J. Blige is still number one. And we should say Sonia has decided to continue on with us. So thank you. Talking Please. about Family Affair by Mary J. Blige. So mm-hmm. like, I remember being rocking out to that song when I was like 13. Oh my God. Yeah. Or trying to rock out. Mostly I was like a goth kid at this time. So I would have been like standing in the corner reluctantly rocking Looking out. Looking at your song. feet. <laughs> Welcome to 2001. Talking about November 12th to the 18th of that year. Uh, we're in the middle of our show, despite the length you're looking at right now. Uh, a little bit of news to bring you into what's happening in 2001 right now. Taliban forces abandon Afghanistan's capital, Kabul, uh, head of advancing ugh, Afghan Northern Alliance troops. So they're just. Kabul? 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 Kabul. Yeah. Kabul. I believe I pronounced it like they would. Do you want to keep criticizing me? I'll kill you. <laughs> I mean, yes. I'll kill you. My dad is, my dad is in the Taliban. I will, I will put somebody after him. <laughs> And he, he is—he is, he is so hairy and Italian. I can always get a little bit of believability out of that. <laughs> Lord knows, profiling at the airport does. War on terrorism. Little news there. Uh, in the first such act since World War II, U.S. President George W. Bush uh, signs an executive order allowing military tribunals against foreigners suspected of connections to terrorist act or plan acts on the United States. Can you imagine how bad that would be in 2021? Vaguely remember that. I'm shocked. More awful shit didn't come out of that. Yeah, well, I mean, there's plenty of guys in Guantanamo who basically never got a real trial Mm. or the ability to defend themselves. They would disagree with you. Mm. Yeah, this this is bad. I guess I was thinking about uh, the acts on American soil, and but I guess abroad they're just doing this anywhere they want. No, yeah, they can just do whatever they want. mm -hmm. Pretty much, of just like I guess I can accuse you of being a terrorist. Have you done anything bad? No, but I can suspect you of it. So um, you might have a weird cousin, so you better come with me. 
Yep. Yeah, as a Canadian, this was the biggest start of my activism because of the stuff that was going on in the States and how it was mm-hmm. impacting Canada, specifically around like Native people and like how they were using this law to ca- call like land protectors and stuff like that terrorists. So mm-hmm. it was giving them a bit more power. So it was, yeah, something we were, it, it was uh, radicalizing me, basically, which is a bad word to use in a bunch of Americans right now. <laughs> so like, <laughs> don't turn me in, please. Yeah. See, and that's why, yeah, you should never support doing extra legal bad things to people that you don't like, because sooner or later, they're going to do the extra legal bad things to people you do like. Mm. It always gets used. It gets turned around. Don't do it. Um, and then. And then. Uh, what? Uh, you read this one, Ty. I don't know anything about that. All right. Uh, well, in New York City, American Airlines Flight 587 on its way to Dominican Republic crashes minutes after takeoff from JFK, killing all 260 aboard and five on the ground in Red Hook. Which, if you remember that concert for New York, there was that one guy who I'm from Red Hook. Come kiss my Royal Irish ass. Yeah, and people start freaking out like, "Oh my God, did Osama bin Laden crash a plane into that guy's neighborhood?" Yeah, we were all super on edge. Like, "Oh God, it's happening again. It's gonna. It's never gonna stop." The the five on the ground thing is still like terrifying. I I know a lot of people are afraid of dying in a plane crash, but not while on. (laughs) In their homes. Jesus Christ. Then there were people on board who had gotten out of Twin Towers that day. Jesus and then Christ. they're going to go finally visit family, you know, back in Dominican Republic. And then their plane crashes. It's the worst. That has to be very confusing. I don't know how I'm supposed to segue to these three wonderful movies from that. But I'm going to try. Lord help me. Uh, the Wash with uh, George Wallace, DJ Pooh, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. I thought, is it, I thought it was a remake of The Car Wash. A movie with George Car- Carlin and George Pryor, uh, Richard Pryor. It's, I mean, it's about guys at a car wash. Yeah. Uh, and but it's also it's not as much fun as car wash. DJ Pooh is going to have a big week this week because he's celebrating this anniversary in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is coming out. And I believe he wrote that mm. game. Huh. I don't know what he looks like, but I love that his name is DJ Pooh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I imagine him like, you know, red shirt, no pants. <laughs> pants stuck in a thing of honey. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's really hard to DJ if you only have the one hand for the decks. That's kind of his thing, though. It's just like, you know, how uh, those robot guys have the helmet, the robot heads. Daft Punk, yeah. Thank you, Daft Punk. I'm very old. How am I supposed to to cut up all the wax with this honey all over my head? All the records were getting covered in stickiness. It's just terrible. A fantastic movie everybody should see. Deeply underrated movie, yes. but bringing it back to Hitchcock again. Yeah. We've got another great director doing a Hitchcock homage. Yeah, Tony Shalhoub, Scarlett Johansson, John motherfucking Polito in his greatest role ever. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe other than Miller's Crossing. James Gandolfini, Francis McDormand making a rare uh, yeah, performance with her husband. Seem- seemingly rare. One of three, right? Billy Bob Thornton in, I think, my favorite performance from him ever. The Man Who Wasn't There. Life has dealt me some bum cards. Or maybe I just haven't played them right. I don't know. Life is just so damn wonderful you almost won't believe it. They put their pants on one leg at a time just like you and me. You keep your mouth shut. I'm an attorney. You're a barber. You don't know anything. I'm not proud of what I did. You. What kind of man are you? I love this. I love this film. And mm. Great performance yeah. from James Gandolfini. And Billy Bob Thornton's role. And mostly all he does is stand there and smoke a cigarette. But yeah. conveys a lot of things with his eyes. And see, I don't know much about acting. 
But Billy Bob Thornton's performance in this is amazing. And I had to see this at our fucking dollar theater. This is mm-hmm. a Coen Brothers film, by the way. Sorry, written yep. and directed by the Coen Brothers. It is their only black and white film. Did they make another one? Yeah. Yeah, their um, only black I and white film. so. And uh, beautiful. It's so Beautiful pretty. black and white. Gorgeous. I saw this in a double feature with the... They they won the Best Director Prize at Cannes. And I watched this in a double feature with the who they shared the prize with, Mulholland Drive. Wow. <laughs> it was a weird feature. double feature, man. Yeah. <laughs> man who wasn't there, good old-fashioned noirish yeah. kind of concept that Billy Bob Thornton's just a barber and his wife's cheating on him with her boss, James Gandolfini. He wants to get some money to invest in the amazing new technology of dry cleaning. So he blackmails Gandolfini, who steals a bunch of money from his business, and then he ends up dead. Gandolfini does. And then his wife, all the evidence points to her. So she goes to fucking jail. And now he's stuck in like, what What are you supposed to do? Like, let your wife take the rap for it? Do you actually admit to it? Like, he's... and. The title is perfect of the man who wasn't there. He's just such a nothing person yeah. who's just sort of barely exists in space and doesn't seem to care too much about it. Doesn't anything. care at all. But like, uh, there's motion behind his eyes. I, I can't get enough of this film. And I, I couldn't find it for a really long time. I saw it for the first time in HD recently. Let me, I'm just going to mm-hmm. look up where it's streaming just because I want people to be able to see this. Because it wasn't easy for me to see in 2001. It was actually pretty difficult. Yeah, uh, it's But, yeah, I mean, it's one... When people talk about Coen Brothers movies, it almost never comes up. Yes, it's unfair. You know, just because it doesn't, you know, I guess it's not as flashy as Fargo or The Big Lebowski. And it's not funny. And yeah, there's sometimes it's sort of darkly funny. Sure. As their stuff usually is. Like, I don't know, I'm just, with Tony Shalhoub in this, I'm like, fuck, has he not been anything since goddamn uh, Barton Fink? Because, like, I don't know, it's like, there's to me, there's a bunch of Coen Brothers all-stars that don't appear in a ton of their films but make their moments as those characters. And they're all in this quiet, pretty movie. I don't know. I feel like you would beg for another performance of Tony Shalhoub and Francis McDormand and John Polito. And I'm like, there's one more Coen Brothers movie that never gets shown on television. It's black and white. Mm. And they have yeah. huge performances in that. Oh, but adding Gandolfini to the stock, yeah. I, I do think about what would the Coen Brothers have done oh. with him oh, wow. if he were yeah. still around? Because oh. he's great in this. Duh. Scarlett Johansson's a lot of fun in this. Yes. She's just got a smaller part. And yeah, it just sort of gets skipped over in the, oh, that's good too. And it's like, it no. deserves to be seen more. I don't know that. Yeah. I'm going to say a lot of nice things about Billy Bob Thornton in this episode, apparently. <laughs> he, he, I don't think he worked with the Coen brothers again either. Did he die? I don't. Other than so. the, the first season of Fargo, where he plays yeah, right. L- Lauren Malvo. And it's like, I always. Fantastic. It's. Very much kind of the same character. Very stoic. He moves so little you're afraid when he does. Yep. Um, mm. I, I, I don't know. Sorry. I haven't haven't seen this in a while, but I, I try and watch this like once every two years or so because it's. I love how, how well people remember Coen Brothers movies. This one always gets left out. It's a bummer. Yep. Well, I think if it was any other filmmaker, like it would be like a bigger thing. But yeah. because like the Coen Brothers make such amazing, right. have such a, an amazing body of work, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, it's good, but it's not as good as Blend. They, they like, not only have so many movies in this in this relative period and genre, they have so many movies with these actors in this period yeah. and genre. <laughs> I, I guess my cup runneth over with uh, the man who wasn't there. But check it out; it's not streaming free anywhere, but you can rent it pretty much anywhere. And that would be the counter programming for one of the biggest. I thought I remember the, bef- the biggest movie of the year. It becomes the second highest grossing film of all time. Yes. And it also becomes, I think, before I talked about a few weeks ago with Grand Theft Auto, that becomes the biggest entertainment moneymaker of all time. This was initially it. 
And if you grew up like I did, phenomenons like this usually do a couple things first. And this franchise skipped all that, jumped straight to the big screen for a tentpole film. Uh, let's see. We're going to play a little game of uh, uh, what we play at the end of the show with who was born this week. Let's see when you get this movie, kids. Robbie Coltrane. No, it, no, it's not uh, that stripper movie I forget the name of. <laughs> um, Maggie Smith. See in that? Uh, Richard Harris. Holy shit, I have not seen him. They in got so it already. They yeah, got it already. <laughs> uh, Emma Watson. Stop guessing! Rupert Grint. It's not that movie. It's a different one. It is the co- Daniel Radcliffe in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, also Julie Walters, uh, Fiona Shaw, Alan Rickman, John Hurt, J- John Cleese, <laughs> uh, John Cleese, Warwick Davis, uh, Richard Griffiths. This is Hogwarts, a school just like yours. Welcome to your first flying lesson. Where brooms fly, homework explodes. I think we're going to need another feather over here, Professor. And teachers transform their students into wizards. That was bloody brilliant. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. He's rather disagreeable, isn't he? Rated PG. Oh, God damn it. I got goosebumps. I mean, I can't, yeah, I cannot tell you, like, as a kid who is reading the books, going to the midnight release parties of the books. Me like, too, yes. I, hearing that music, puts me in a place even today like i am my body's ready like i i'm just like very it, yeah, it was so exciting was. to it, see it, what we were reading like on screen and for them to yeah. do such a fucking good job with it like right. i know this first couple movies are rough but considering like the hype that was built up for these movies like i don't know man yeah i'm, I'm here to, i'm here to recant some of that and i had the same experience because like where sarah and i are at like it got real cold and I cranked up the heat, and it just reminded me of seeing this on Christmas. And it during Christmas, it felt so good and nostalgic. And I am 21 years old when this movie comes out. <laughs> but I, I'm also, I think we're only three books deep into the, the uh, series. Yes. Because Goblet of Fire came out when I was graduating, when I graduated high school, I think. No, Goblet of Fire came came out around this time, and uh, Order of the Phoenix came out in two thousand three. Yeah, she did. She didn't fucking George Double R Martin this shit. She the books were all done before the movie series finished, and I I I just remember I've been very critical of these films because they're directed by Chris Columbus, who I don't think was the right choice to do this like and and i know popcorn yeah sarah won't agree when i say that what's her name uh, just kidding rawling who you know who the fuck cares what she thinks anymore she was like i demand terry gilliam direct these and it was almost like a i will walk if he doesn't direct this kind of thing but he would have visually would have been a better choice than chris columbus and that is my only criticism is that there is a, a little bit of dullness visually in this film, but I watching it. Wait, watching, I'm sorry, you what? would exchange the little bit of dullness that the Chris Columbus gave you for the disgusting griminess of a Terry Gilliam movie. By the time we hit the Prisoner of Azkaban, the film is visually above and beyond where I prefer them to be. But mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to give more credit to this film as a film, as a reader of the books. It, it goes out of its way to squeeze a little too much in, but mm-hmm. like, uh, mm-hmm. it's wonderful at setting up all the stuff. I think you forget that, like, we lose a ton of characters in the movies, like John Cleese's nearly headless Nick. All, like, I think he said he filmed scenes for most of the movie. They're all cut. Barely. They're, barely he, in he's it. He's barely yeah. in it. The kids' rides to Hogwarts, that doesn't, that gets diminished after the next movie. Even just going to class 
is like cut out of most Harry Potter movies. And obviously the books are richer experiences, but it doesn't work without this first movie, which is a wonderful adaptation of the richness of the books. Yeah. Well, so, I think, yeah, I think that was probably one of my biggest beefs with it because as I was, I think I, this was one of the, the movies I dr- actually drove into Winnipeg four hours just oh. to see because Ooh. I love the book so much. Yes. And so I felt so disappointted because, because I liked the books more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is basically just the books. Like this, like I really like seeing certain things, but I was like, I'm so disappointed. Even though I love the music and I love that intro scene with Dumbledore leaving Harry at, where he will grow up but I was just like oh this is just the books and like it's kind of boring and stuff and I didn't really get into the movies until Prisoner of Azkaban then then it was separating itself from the books and making it its own thing but I really loved the movie just because it was the first time I remember seeing Quidditch for the first time I was like this rocks (laughs) I mean when you think about how how Quidditch I mean the last couple movies like Quidditch isn't in them even though it's it is in the books I think the the sixth movie, Quidditch is in the movie for like 45 seconds. It's just like, well, oh, I got a Quidditch also, match later. It's very hard to describe sports I know. in words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly. But there's like, so much Quidditch in the books. There's multiple games. So much, which <laughs> I'm very thankful to see yes. Quidditch depicted because honestly, I was a little lost in the books when they were describing <laughs> the bludgers and the blah blahs. I, I don't know. I, again, I think the movie does a great job because there's also a decent EA video game that made a Quidditch g- game <laughs> and it works. It totally works. Yeah, I just, reading on the making of this is, my God, them trying to pull this together. Like, it's another one. Spielberg was attached. Yep. He wanted to do it as an animated movie. And that is a very interesting alternate dimension to think about. It probably would have looked like Tintin and I wouldn't have liked it as much. But no, we'll and we can talk about, about Tintin pretty soon. Yeah. yeah. One of Rowling's big stipulations was to keep it British, to not Americanize it. That and I think so that neat. was a really good call. Yeah. But yes, everybody, I mean, they talked to Jonathan Demme, they talked to Alan Parker, we just talked about the commitments. Wolfgang Peterson, we just talked about Does Boat. Um, Ivan <laughs> Reitman, Peter Weir, Rob Reiner, M. Night Shyamalan, everyone you know, was talked to about this. And a lot of them were just like, that's just not my jam. Or, and we're not even mentioning the cast because the original choice for Snape was Tim Roth, who didn't do it because he was in Planet of the Apes. Yeah. He was in a terrible Mm. movie. I was so pissed. I was like, no. But I also think it also had to do with the fact that he would have, he would have been contracted to be in at least seven more movies and eat up a lot of his life. So I think that was probably. I I remember him talking about that. He had, he was almost given the part, but he was doing something in America and could, didn't fly back over to yeah. England. And just, I was thinking about this because I, I rewatched a big chunk of Galaxy Quest a little while ago. Mm. And it, it's so funny that Alan Rickman's character in that, his whole thing is, I'm, I'm a serious actor and I'm only known for this one cheesy thing. And then that came true for him <laughs> with wow. a generation of people, and wow. he loved it. Yeah. That's the best part. That, he yeah. loved that's it. My Sorry own, about Barking Dog. Only complaint <laughs> about uh, Rickman's casting, he's perfect for the malevolent, because I'm not going to get into the Harry Potter lore, but you're supposed to be, as a viewer, worried about Snape, concerned about, like, what's this yeah. dude's deal? He's just, and he's a little too old, but he's a... Uh, he uh, does it well. Yeah, yeah, it's like you're constantly scared of Snape, even though by the end of this movie, it's revealed, like, he's on Harry's side, we think. And I think Alan Rickman made some of the stuff that I didn't like in the book work. Like, I never believed, like, I never believed Snape's relationship with Harry's mother. Like, I always thought that was too tacked on. And he made it believable for me. And so that was one thing I really loved about the movies. But the first movie is, like, 
it was the first time I ever felt disappointed in the movie. And I like some crappy movies. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. And I remember Rattle being like, hum. well, it was okay. It was all, <laughs> yeah. right. all right. Well, I've let you guys go on long enough. I fucking hate this movie. Oh, yeah. I hate Thank you. Yeah. this movie. Build I'm assault. Not, I am not a book reader. I went into this cold in 2001. I knew... It was about a school about magic and that's it. And I walked out and my husband constantly reminds me of this. We walked out and I just went artless. <laughs> <laughs> that, I agree with you though. Like it, it just felt like too much. Like the books, it was trying too it's hard a, to appeal to the book. People. It's a fucking audiobook. It's a book on tape. It is so goddamn literal. And I was like, okay, I'm going to rewatch this because I haven't seen it in 20 years. And I've liked everything since Azkaban. I've enjoyed all those movies. I, and the second one, I think, is an improvement. And I went through trying to figure out, okay, so why do I hate this movie? <laughs> and a lot of Hell it yeah. is there is no plot until an hour in. You are the being you're, you're being introduced to, but you're you're Harry constant, being introduced just, to the magical world, right? The it's world just is constant so intricate. Like it's you have to... just introduction. But some of the problem I have with that is I feel like the people who are already magic users at like Diagon Alley, whatever. They act like this is all impressive. Oh, John and Hurt. they should oh my God. be they should be used to it. This is everyday shit to them. No, because they shouldn't be going, wow. But we're talking and to the boy who lived. Yeah, poor poor Daniel Radcliffe spends the entire movie just going, Wow. That's <laughs> true. Over and over and over. <laughs> well, and then yeah, right at the end, a little bit of plot finally shows up. It's but, not mixed in well enough for me. But that's true for Harry Potter because he did not know anything that he did not know he's magical. He did not know anything existed. So, it, it is why yeah. the, the books I mean, work because shit, Harry Potter. A, Harry Potter is the audience surrogate and also yeah. Neo exactly. from the Matrix. If I was an <laughs> abused orphan, basically, yeah, I yeah. would be like, "Holy shit!" For most of this movie, yeah. but a little bit of characterization in there would have been good because we don't know anything about him. And I understand, obviously, he's the audience surrogate, but it finally hit me like he's raised in the fucking cupboard. And then they I, take him to this place. I love no, his family. Like, I love his family, and they're not shown oh, much. Richard Griffiths is always so. Oh, yeah, I forget yeah, that guy's right. name, but I but, love. I love his family. They're not shown much in the movies after this. Yeah, but okay. So he's used to living in a cupboard, and now he is in this big fancy bedroom with like six other kids. A four poster. <laughs> now, just just one moment of him like being weirded out by that, not being able to sleep. Something that indicates. This is a little weird. I'm going through a I, lot of shit right I now. I hate and saying he's it. He's just but... like, hooray, yay, wow. But that's not the, really present in the book. It, like, it, it is too. The, the book is, is very apparent. Like, I'm happy how miserable he was at Four Privet yeah. Drive and how happy he is to have like his own fucking And he bed. finds out that he's Cause, rich. Because all, yeah, all he had yeah, was, exactly. was Dudley's yeah. hand-me-down. And also too, I mean, like part of it, I think him being like amazed by everything, but not necessarily discomfited by it, I think plays into the fact that this is like a fulfillment of the fate that that he was set upon. I mean, he was always supposed to be living this life. So the fact that he's not weirded out by it and fits in pretty easily despite Just, despite his celebrity. Yeah, like they throw in so many things that true. don't impact anything. Norbert okay, the dragon. Norbert the dragon. Get it out. Get yeah, out the just, little dragon egg. It doesn't need to be here. Yeah. Or uh or yeah, nearly headless Nick and all those guys. Oh, Do they impact it, anything? It. Nope. They're the house oh, ghosts. Yeah, yeah, those goddamn it. moving staircases, which would be murdering children daily. <laughs> yes, but that's all fan service. That's part of the book. Exactly. The moving staircase never go away. That, that's what, if you read those books. 
over and over and over again in anticipation of the movie. If they didn't show that to us, we would have rioted. And also, and also as, <laughs> if, if you're not thinking make a good movie, if you're not thinking yeah, as a, they did not care. if you're That's not thinking as a little kid, they can't get back to their rooms without passwords and maps. It's awesome. Hmm. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, but as a kid who uh, had to deal with residential schools and stuff like that, the idea of a boarding school terrified me. Yeah, so me I'm just like, yeah. that wasn't a really thing, but like, once Azkaban came out, then I realized, like, then I was happy because they were like, okay, we're not trying to copy the books literally. Right. We'll exactly. keep all the important stuff in and actually make these movies so everybody can enjoy them. You're not, not going to get any of this, uh, Rita Skeeter, Tony Blair, Fox News parables well, that are all over the books. <laughs> two things. First of all, it was a very thin line that they were walking. I, I would, mm-hmm. I would have hated to be tasked with making this movie oh, yeah. because you're dealing with like the, people who were huge fans of the books that had read them over and over again, who wanted to see exactly what they thought their vision Uh of this world was. And you had just kidding rolling who had built this like huge immersive world that was incredibly detailed that you had to somehow figure out how to put on film. And then you also had to bring in people who were not book readers and try to figure out how to rope them into this movie franchise that was going to go on for at least a decade, if not more. And, and, so and you to, your, to, and to your point, everything yep. at to your once. point, and, and so I meant hard. to read more and about this. Also, hold on. Let me just say one more thing. Okay. Too. <laughs> like if you are going to entrust baby teenagers with the type of yeah, magic wow. and spells where you could actually murder someone, <laughs> I would hope that you could trust that they could deal with moving staircases. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait till year six. Passwords. Like, come on, you could murder someone with two I would, words. Sarah, I was going to give them a, a moving staircase. I was going to jump on to, to your point. Like, there are publicly <laughs> only three books as well. And there's nothing that happens. There's so much you can pick apart about Star Wars. The moment Alec, you know, I knew your dad. He was the coolest. Um, <laughs> like, uh, th- this doesn't suffer John from. Uh, this doesn't <laughs> suffer from any of that mm-hmm. be- because, like, they were very careful about either just yeah. kidding. Rolling told them where the books were going to go. And I think who, there were who, a couple of things where she said, "No, you got to take that out because that's." going to contradict stuff that yeah. I'm writing right now. Put more Neville in here. That's Yeah, <laughs> put more more little Neville at always more Neville. Yeah. True here. I would but, I would again love to see this movie series remade in eight movies from Neville's perspective. I would watch that it. That would be great. Yeah. 100%. Again, a show. But I will thank the movie for one thing. It finally taught me how to pronounce Hermione. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Nobody knew that. I, I read the entirety of the Tempest where her name comes from and and still have a tough time with right. it. Hermione. 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 I just called her H. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I I don't care for this one. I just don't. Oh, it's not the best. And it's it's interesting that we're going to talk about another adaptation of a very popular young adult (laughs) series. And adaptations I find really interesting of like, how do you balance... The what the needs of a film with the needs of what you can do in a book. The, the needs and, of the plot, lore, and story are totally well, different in movies and books. With a rabid film base, yeah. mm-hmm. and book base. Yeah, and and it's interesting that this is written by Steve Cloves, who basically writes all of them, and I think they do improve. <laughs> Significantly, I was just Diana. You introduced the idea. We were talking about Wonder Boys, and I didn't know that the guy who wrote Wonder Boys basically disappears for a decade because yeah. all he does. <laughs> Michael Chabon? No, Steve Cloves. No. Yeah, who did... Um, Wonder oh, Boys did... was written by Michael Chabon. But the ad- did he do the adaptation? 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about the movie. Yeah. The movie. I got yeah. Sorry. No, the guy who did Fabulous Baby. That was a flex on Sarah. Cut that out. No, I'm just kidding. Basically, <laughs> he becomes Mr. Harry Potter yeah, for he, a like, decade. He writes one of Sarah and I's favorite movies and like, oh, when's the guy who wrote Wonder Boy is going to write another film? And like, he wrote eight. Wait, and wait, you, and wait, you saw every one he of wrote, them. I'm sorry. The same person who wrote he adapted Wonder Boys, Wonder Boys. Wrote in the Fabulous Baker Boys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wrote and directed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, this person. <laughs> he, got yes. a, he, he thinks boys. He's he loves the boys. boys. He loves the boys. <laughs> yeah. Die. I have so, I have a compromise here, which is because okay. I watched this. I have a compromise for you too. But sure. What's, what's Ooh, your I got I got warm and fuzzy watching this, and like I don't want to. I wanted to watch the next one immediately, but I think one of my problems about this being boring or in that that one, I think the first two movies more than anything are children's movies. They treat yes, the audience yes, like children. Thank you. And, yes. And the third also. one like decides to stop that and like here's some real scary shit. Let's treat these people like little adults with agency, whereas mm-hmm. they have none here. To be fair, children's movies are generally treated pretty poorly on this podcast in general. <laughs> I, I, I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. I'm a big fan of children's movies. They were made in movies. the 80s, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, I mean, okay, I will say a couple nice things about it. Obviously, the John Williams score, especially Amazing. Hedwig's Ooh. theme. Yes. There was, I almost pulled an ad just to piss you guys off that uses the American president music again. And it's just so <laughs> wrong. Rude. It's just Fucking so rude. Fun. Like that, those images and that music need to be together. For all his faults, Chris Columbus did a great job casting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think Emma Watson is pretty weak in this movie. And but she gets better. Of, yeah. She gets a lot better. She's carrying like 40 oh. pounds of hair. Yeah. Oh my god, so much hair. Yeah, the kid acting is horrible, but that's okay. They yeah. get better. Oh, I think they it's, do I think get it's better. adorable. I, I, maybe just because I've, I've watched these kids grow, and Daniel Radcliffe especially is like a barometer of quality. If that dude's in a movie, mm-hmm. I'll see it just because he picks awesome. Ooh, he makes a awesome theme that will be repeated in the next segment. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes, people who try and break but, away from being typecast. I love it. But... Wizard People, Dear Reader. We have to talk about Wizard People, Dear Reader, because this is the the only and best way to watch this movie. Wizard People, Dear Reader what? is a, a vocal track narrating the film by Brad Neely. What? It goes along with the whole movie, and it tells you the whole story. He's not making shit up, except for like the dialogue and the name of people like Catface Meowmers the, and Hardcastle McCormick. The Professor <laughs> Brothers guy? Yeah, and, you know, uh, Rose Beefy Weefs, his cousin. And it's, I believe it's still on YouTube in multiple parts. You just need to watch the Quidditch match where he gets really mad at Lumbermouth for stealing the ball from him. And then when he wins, starts yelling, fuck, I am a beautiful animal. I am a golden god. (laughs) And I just, the last thing I had in my notes is how hard I was elbowing my sister when Scabbers came on screen. <laughs> like, oh, this rat's gonna be so important. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that is your prerogative as a reader versus a non-reader. Man, it is kind of crazy that we're talking twenty years of Harry Potter, and yeah. we just rounded out the series. What oh, in May? Yeah. For, Other yeah, last thing in my mental notes. I don't know if my opinion would be as strong if a we we just had to watch part well, Deathly Hallows part two mm-hmm. in uh, the summer. Yep. And I also have been twice to Universal and those parks. I'm a Disney guy through and through. Those are the best representation of any IP I've ever seen in a theme park in my life. Is are the oh. Harry Potter parks? They 100%. are little slices of wonderful, and they conjure things in my brain about the books I'd never thought about. Which then I kind of transfer over to the movies too. But like, so I wonder if being in the parks maybe tainted how much 
being in Gringotts again, that's not something you get to do very much in the films, but like yeah. that ride is amazing. Oh my God. And, okay. Yes. It has been I don't, probably is this the, the worst only couple movie years we're... of my life. <laughs> and a couple weeks ago, Sam and I went to Universal Studios and did the whole Harry Potter experience. And I don't think I've been as happy as I have been any time in the past couple of years being in that park, riding those rides, drinking butterbeer. Like they really do. Universal Studios has great rides. Islands Adventure has great rides. They don't do the immersive experience the same way that Disney does. It just... Yeah, Disney... It's not as good. Disney took the Galaxy's Edge experience, I think, from Harry Potter. Like, that shit is crazy. The Harry Potter experience, though, is flawless, basically. Did you get a wand? I did not get a wand. <laughs> it's it, it's for you. Don't get a wand if you're don't an adult. Yeah, like I, leave I that to the children. Wand, just, <laughs> leave it I for the children. Couldn't. And also, I think this is the time where we all declare what house we are. I am obviously Slytherin. Yes. <laughs> Hufflepuff. I I have no idea. But again, why oh, do you yeah. have? Why do you have an evil house? I, I don't. <laughs> oh yeah, they're not an evil. This is two thousand one, so they were. Uh, they... Of course, Diana's Ravenclaw. Hello. <laughs> it's two thousand one. Sure. They weren't evil. They're just Republicans, Death Eaters. <laughs> and... I am not evil or Republican, and I do think there are good Slytherins out there. But I mean, if we're gonna look at like, uh, I've just made peace in my heart that I am a. Slytherin. Are, we, are we both Team Crab? We're both Team Crab. Um. <laughs> Chris, are you only in Hufflepuff because their dorm is near the kitchen? Oh, damn! <laughs> God damn! Look, I didn't. This is like the first fat joke I've been hit with on the podcast, so I got to start getting to the gym. This no, I didn't quirky. mean it that way. I was just thinking because, like, of the food, like, not the fat and the lack of self control. I get it. And it's, honestly, it's like, you're saying you're a Hufflepuff, but I'm pretty sure you're secretly a Gryffindor. Yeah. Why? Why would that be? If only it for the hair. It just feels alone. right. Yeah. It just feels right. So I recently dated a redhead. Why is I don't know. I don't know. And I've never I've never bothered to check because I don't want to know. I don't really have to go and do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me. I don't care. And my sister thinks she's so Ravenclaw, and I have to buy her Ravenclaw no, shit. She's every 100% year. a Hufflepuff, um, but we don't need to get into all this. We've got to watch TV, y'all. You're trying to go to her wedding and calling her a Hufflepuff on the air. On the, <laughs> on the air. <laughs> I love that Slytherin is the evil house, and yet, literally a hundred percent of the time, when someone gets called a Hufflepuff, they react as if they were being called the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to be Hufflepuff. Ever. I do. Everybody needs somebody needs to be Hufflepuff, and I'm willing to do it. Vote for me, Mayor of Hufflepuff. Um, okay. Moving on. Moving on. I mean, that's like the biggest fucking movie. I think one of the biggest movies we'll ever talk about. Like mm-hmm. like I said, it's the, the second highest grossing film of all time yeah. at that point. Only Titanic is ahead of it. And it stays there for a while. I'm just, mm-hmm. and I do, I do want to say, I love Diana. Is this the movie you were threatening to pour salt all over? Um, oh, yes. Okay. Oh, I, yeah. No, we, we will I, talk about it in Classic I, Corner. I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming for some reason. But, but we actually have a movie... In the next segment, that I hate so much more. <laughs> I think, lady, lady, I am so excited. <laughs> I honestly, it's it's. I'm going to get the bends because oh. we're going from my my favorite album of all time to a movie. I'm really trying to think of a movie I hate 
more mm. than a movie we're going to talk about later. We got to move into TV for yes. 2001 so we can get quicker into that movie. <laughs> okay, right, here we go. We so Victoria's Secret there. Fashion <laughs> Show is broadcast for the first time. I thought we had that news somewhere else in the podcast. Thought we did too, but I double and triple checked it, and no, this is the first TV broadcast of Victoria's Secret fashion show yeah. on the 15th. In a world without internet <laughs> porn, this should have killed the ratings a thousand percent. Hosted really... by Rupert Everett. Oh. this What? He okay. knows a lot about Sexy underwear. Sm- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've never heard of Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible uh, miniseries with Steve Coogan, Mark Gaddis, and uh, Simon yeah. Pegg, but I, I love I it. I really thought this was the Doogie Hauser joint. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't heard of, yeah, Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible. It's only sucked. Six episodes ran in the UK, BBC Two, and it sounds like it's a very, very specific niche thing. Like if you like British sixties and seventies horror movies, then I, that's what they're they're making fun of. Stuff like you know Witchfinder General, uh, try- you know old Doctor Who shit. I'm trying to remember. We were talking about it last year for Halloween. I watched a lot of those British horror movies and British anthology movies, and it's like if it weren't for George Lucas, I would have no idea who these leading men are, but it's an anthology series with Grand Moff Tarkin, the older guy in Indiana Jones, like that guy. uh, It's like all these Lucasfilm people. Yeah. It took me a while to find this. It took me until like 2020. So if that's what this is parodying, this might not be for everybody. Yeah, this is parodying that stuff. So episodes include lesbian vampire lovers of lust and uh, curse of the blood of the lizard of doom. Um, hmm. Two porn search terms that I feel like Antista has used. <laughs> <laughs> Why me? Couldn't it be Sonia searching for this stuff? Damn, roasted. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite Fox television shows of this era debuts this week. One of my favorite people, the Bernie Mac show debuted. So good. As created by Larry Wilmore, sort of based on Bernie Mac's real life, where I believe he had to inherit his sister's grown ass kids, three of them, hmm. two daughters and uh, a boy. And this is just one of the, the special things about the Bernie Mac show. I think you see this in a lot of shows now, but it, I, other than like Titus, I don't remember what shows had a literal monologue from the character. This is mm-hmm. like The Office does this faster documentary show, but like in the Bernie Mac show, at, at least at the beginning of the end and sometimes in the middle, he would be sitting down smoking a cigar and talking to the camera about what's happening. Like this mm-hmm. were a documentary. He also, in this episode, coins the term, don't touch my music, including my happy rap, and a little arrow points to kid and play. And I've never <laughs> heard the term happy rap. It's from, it's 20 years old, in my opinion, to this day. It's a great term. But the, a clip from the pilot of the Bernie Mac show showcasing what he does best, threatening child abuse. I'm here to tell you that uh, I'm going to kill one of them kids. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love them. They my blood. I give them the shit off my back. You ever see a chicken with his neck one? <laughs> Laying to the side all lazy and weak? That's what I'm going to do to them kids. Talk back to me one more time. Snap. I'm going to snap their neck off. <laughs> They're too sassy. They're too grown today. They talk back too much. Yeah, I know what you're saying to me. I don't care what you're talking about. This show is great. It was like really one of the best series on network television at this time. Yeah. Right when we're five all giving seasons. up network television. Yeah. I thought it might have gone longer, but no, just five seasons. Five seasons, but it, it, it hits syndication numbers. So like yep. if you're still watching over the air television like I was in San Francisco, it's probably airing after the Drew Carey show. Uh, we also have the debut of 30 Minute Meals. Yeah, this is, I think, most of America's uh, introduction to Rachel Ray. Oh. Yeah. Was she, this was her show. Her whole thing was, I'm going to cook an entire meal in 30 minutes in real time. Impossible! So she was cooking like during the commercial <laughs> breaks and whatnot. And I think 
this was a great kind of a great revolutionary thing for cooking television programs because it kind of showed look we don't have time for this Julia Child shit. You're... <laughs> I love Julia Child. Me too. I'm not but disparaging you're right. any of that. But this, if you're busy, cause... if you need a lot of time, here are these shortcuts. Here is what you can do to put together a good, healthy meal I rem- for I, your I was watching this uh, because we had friends who were in culinary school. And I'm not a huge Food Network fan. And Food Network now is like literally all competition game shows. But yeah. back then it was instructional. But this show was hyper instructional. Absolutely. Where it's like, no, we're going to do all this in real time. Here's how you can cut corners. I forgot about that mm-hmm. aspect of it. It's uh, so good. And there are honestly... I it's what I need most of... right now. I, I'm alone <laughs> and I want to learn how to yeah. cook better. Girl, I'm <laughs> sure you can find it on you know, for YouTube or whatever. Because I think that that is absolutely geared to people. Honestly, like you, Antista, who Sad. are looking for fast Single. meals that you can cook for yourself or whatever. There are tons of tips, honestly, from three minute meals that I still use, including my favorite one, which is have a garbage bowl, which while you're cooking, when you're cutting off the tops of onions or you're, you know, coring out a tomato or something like that, just have a bowl right next to you that you can put all that refuse in so you don't have to keep walking over the garbage or walking over to the garbage. Put it all in the garbage. Put, yeah, yeah, put it all in a little thing and then put it in your compost, put it in the trash, whatever you want to do. My cooking <laughs> channel would be awful. Like, first thing you're going to do is charge your phone completely and then download the McDonald's <laughs> app. The McRib is out right now, so make sure you get one early or else they might sell out by noon. I do have to say, though, that Rachel Ray did unleash a bunch of food terms that I find very reprehensible. Give me one. Like, calling extra virgin olive oil evoo and she does a lot of oh, like really? delish her. and yummo i don't like any of that stuff. Mm, no. who did amaze but balls that person good for be her murdered. for making a lot of recipes accessible to a lot of people mm-hmm. accessibility that is what we're talking mm-hmm. about this week including mainstream television helping uh, america embrace billy bob thornton and creed just I can't imagine a more <laughs> unappealing thing throughout America than this popping up in the TV guy, Billy Bob and Creed, this oh, week on no. SNL. But it's a good episode. And the monologue, I encourage you to watch. He is dressed exactly like every interview I've ever seen him do. Black hat, giant smile, not willing to commit to much. So what they do is have, he takes questions from the audience and all anybody wants to do is do sling blade impressions to him. And I'm talking... Yeah. including Daryl Hammond, Amy Poehler, and Maya Rudolph doing a great (laughs) French fried potatoes. And then a person who is not that famous yet appears in the audience for no reason. And you can see the audience kind of knows who he is, kind of doesn't. Folks call it a thing blade. I call it a kind of blade. (laughs) You're not even a cast member. Who are you? Oh, I'm... I'm Ashton Kutcher from the 70s show. I'm just hanging. I just had tickets. I... <laughs> wow. I, I don't think I knew what his name was yet, <laughs> but I did like two, that 70s show, so I knew who he was. Facts of Life has a reunion TV movie this week, and none of yeah. us are old enough to care. Well, I'm old enough to care. Go but the it, last then. one was in 1987. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they did a reunion episode in 1987, and then 2001, they do another reunion TV movie. Look, y'all, 9-11 just happened. We got to really get to like, the most inoffensive. Oh, we're going to regress that much? Stuff. We need yeah. Joe and Tootie to tell us it's okay. Good you Lord. You take the good, you take the bad. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to elaborate <laughs> on any of this. Because the games are crazy this week. Both the Xbox and the GameCube launched this week. That what? almost that, that 
happened again, like I think in 2013, but usually, yeah, two consoles don't launch in the exact same week. And that means there are games like Gradius Advance. Anyone? Hello? Is this on? No. 007 Agent Under Fire are out this week. Dead or Alive 3, that's a launch game. But no, Halo, Super Monkey Ball, and Luigi's Mansion make their debut. Yeah, Luigi's Mansion! And you can hear people who, I don't know what you were both reacting to. Sonia said Luigi's Mansion. It's like, I was reacting to Halo. Right. It's the, <laughs> it's the launch of several major franchises, including Microsoft as a video game unit, including Nintendo as, all right, we're not going to make weird cartridges where only people have to make things exclusively for a console. We'll have good ports to we'll put things on CD. It was a really crazy period because the ps2 is already out and selling like gangbusters and you have microsoft and nintendo nipping at sony it just it just changed the entire console game and there are way more games out this week but that's because two consoles launches but when the dust clears halo super monkey ball luigi's mansion maybe dead or alive 3 i should have grabbed the commercial since i have all ladies here to antagonize um <laughs> If, if you haven't seen the Dead or Alive 3, if you've ever wondered, are video games really sexist? Look up the Dead or Alive 3 commercial because it is just <laughs> boys with the controllers down by their laps watching the jiggle physics. This is a first party game, an exclusive. Microsoft paid for this commercial just watching boobs jiggle in Dead or Alive in slow motion. And there was there wasn't a ladies marketing campaign. <laughs> this was just their their only foot forward. We're gonna la- we're gonna launch with tits. I can't believe I live through it. Sometimes well, obviously- I love Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion was my shit when I was that age because it was one of the first kid friendly survival horror yeah, games that was mm. out there, and they had a lot of references to the original Resident Evil, including there's these cutscenes where Luigi would open a key in a in a lock, and then he'd scare put his hand on the knob and turn it so it was very like it's one of those games that's totally making horror accessible to young kids which i really really love and it's a really cute franchise i've never heard that mention like that just because i'm now thinking like resident evil would be an exclusive gamecube franchise during this period the only other thing i have to say about the gamecube which we'll say more on patreon.com slash laser time with the video game apocalypse boys that controller makes no sense not even to smash (laughs) Unless you played Luigi's Mansion. It is the perfect vacuum control scheme. <laughs> That's it, It's perfect for that game and that game only. Fuck your Smash ideas. Let's go out of the segment with a oh, Hero by Enrique Iglesias. One of my least favorite songs of all time. Not the song's fault. It was played on the radio endlessly. I, I just like, mm-hmm. I got to the point where I Isn't was... Isn't that so... the one where Mickey Rourke beats him up? What? Like, is yeah. that the video? <laughs> yes. It might be the song's fault. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't think it's a good song. Yeah. Oh, no. No, it's not. But, uh, it's, it's one of, Jennifer Love Hewitt's in the yeah. video, too. Yeah. No, it is the cheesiest damn song. But here's another shocking surprise. It pops back up under the charts after 9-11. People oh. suddenly, this is what they need. Mm-hmm. There's only one good song called Hero, and it's on the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack from Nickelback and the Saliva Guys. Damn straight. No. So many people got laid to this song. Uh, I, I wish I knew the amount. Uh, like, I want to know if someone's okay, listening who was born and find out the, the amount of Hero by Enrique Iglesias babies that exist in this world. Um, it's silence or nothing for me. Let- <laughs> <laughs> Wait. What's the nothing opposite of silence? Let us know, know, Hero Babies, Facebook, (laughs) lasertimepodcast.com. 
We'll close that with that, but stay right there. Apparently, we still have another segment to do, so don't move. I can be your hero, baby. I can kiss away the pain. I will stand by you forever. You can take my breath away. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watch. And for the week of November 12th through 18th, I'm going to continue the theme of Spielberg keeps popping up because Spielberg's going to pop up in kind of his first movie. 50 years ago this week, 1971, the film Duel aired as the ABC movie of the week and was so good, it got a theatrical release. And it is so good. It's written by Richard Matheson, who comes up on this show a lot because he's awesome you know i wrote i am legend and just a ton of other stuff and it's a pretty simple thriller about a guy being hassled by a truck that's about it he just he doesn't know why the truck's mad at him doesn't know why the truck's following him why is it trying to kill him what how can he avoid it yeah that's it man versus truck and it's just this spielberg kid has some promise he takes a very simple concept and it ends up being like really interesting and entertaining you never see the driver it's just this goddamn truck won't leave him alone. And then, so I put this on the Laser Time Facebook group because after rewatching Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone and its love of boarding schools, I kept thinking about movies and boarding schools and I asked the Laser Time community, should I be a snarky bitch and talk about things that made me think of in Classic Corner? And you overwhelmingly said yes. So as an antidote to the love of boarding schools that Harry Potter has, where the boarding school is the best thing. And oh, it's so great being away from your terrible family. I want to talk about If from 1968, directed by Lindsay Anderson and starring Malcolm McDowell. Very controversial film because, uh, spoiler alert, it ends in probably the first school shooting you're ever going to see on film. But it's about how, did you ever get bullied in school? Now imagine your bullies have institutional power over you to the point where they are allowed to cane you as hard as they fucking can. It's it's a coming-of-age film, but more than that, it is a massive indictment of boarding schools and <laughs> corporal punishment and all that stuff. And you know what? Let's just throw in Picnic at Hanging Rock, too, from 1975, directed by Peter Weir, starring Rachel Roberts, because, I mean, that's just, it's a masterpiece, one of the best Australian films ever made. But it's also about a boarding school, and how the repression in the boarding school and the lack of being able to express yourself or your friendships or ever be told the truth about anything makes people go literally fucking insane. Super good. It's one of those where I've read the book. It's a really good adaptation, unlike fucking Harry Potter, where it captures everything from the book and then some. So those are my uh, bitch-ass recommendations this week. Boarding school movies, where boarding schools are fucking terrifying, not because they're haunted, just because boarding schools are bad. Because I don't want other kids to have authority over me. Because they're a bunch of monsters, because they're fucking kids. And that's it for this week. Stay classic.
coming into 2011 with We Found Love by Rihanna featuring Calvin Harris off of Talk That Talk. It's number one this week. Welcome to 2011. Uh, we're talking November 12th through the 18th of 2011. We are now 10 years ago. The new releases also include Camp by Childish Gambino. Oh, so good. Love up, it. Up All Night, the debut of One Direction. That's 10 oh, years also old. Also yeah. a great album, by huh. the way. Sorry. <laughs> And Drake's Take Care, which is on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. Ah, pretty good album. We usually don't get two of those per show, so that's pretty pretty insane. Speaking of greatest of all time, The Goats, People Magazine, Sexiest Man Alive this year, goes to Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. And every, well, every every woman sort of gave a head like, meh. All right. Yeah, sure. I mean, all right. Okay, so so I got to come. I love Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is <laughs> yeah. the shit. I loved A Star Is Born. I think Rocket Raccoon doesn't sound anything like him, and I encourage. Mm. Agree. I love. Yeah. I love his performance as that character, and I usually love him in most films. And he's great in Wet Hot American Summer from the beginning. Oh, Year zero for uh, Bradley Cooper as a as an actor. Amazing mm. out of the gate. I just hate Silver Linings Playbook. Really? Yeah, it gave oh, me such I, a bad taste in my mouth. I was really impressed with him in it. Uh, he did a lot of good stuff. I, like I had an Cooper acting teacher who went to school with him and said that he kept trying to hit on her, so I was, that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth about him. So I'm like, eh, he seems he seems kind of lecherous. <laughs> so, and I don't, I don't really like guys like. Uh, Does being the sexiest man alive cancel out being a sex pest? I don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, I know from experience, but I'm not going to tell anyone. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> two of you put your finger and thumb to your chin and tilted your head. <laughs> 2011 movies. Hey guys, you excited about Mad Max? Good. I have another. <laughs> his previous movie. His previous before movie before that. Mad Max Fury Road. Has a great cast. Anthony Paglia, Magda Sabansky, Common, uh, Richard Carter, Hugo Weaving, Sofia Vergara, Matt Damon, Brad Pitt, Pink, Hank Azaria, Robin Williams, and of course Elijah Wood in Happy Feet 2, your prequel to Mad Max Fury Road. Hey, little guy, you're not joining the party? No, happy feet. You'll get the hang of it. Now loosen up. Mm-hmm. Empty your mind. Done. Oh, dude. All you gotta do is feel the beat. Everybody! Every step counts. That's it. Get stupid. <laughs> it brings out my happy. Happy feet, too. Oh, yes, indeed. Rated PG. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more examples like this where, like, Happy Feet 1 was like, well, that's surprising. This is better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then Happy Feet 2 is like, why did you do this again? Yeah. <laughs> Don't do this again. It's, uh, yeah, I love the first Happy Feet. Yes. I was so surprised how much I loved Happy Feet. And this one is just like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's got, you know, a couple points that are pretty fun. Uh, there's a whole... <laughs> A whole weird, you know, sub story going on about Matt Damon and Brad Pitt as Krill, who decide they want to leave the Krill swarm and uh, be, become apex predators. Um, <laughs> nothing to do with anything. It's just there to fill time and it's fun. And the the overall story is about, you know, they're all the, the penguins and they sing and dance and that keeps them happy. But then Hank Azaria shows up as a penguin that can fly named Sven. But, you know, we all know he's not a penguin. He's clearly a puffin. But he started kind of a cult around him about the penguin that can fly with Robin Williams as his hype man as a penguin that got rescued from an oil spill. So now he's wearing a little sweater. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Happy V2, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it was it was fine. Um, my, my, I guess my expectations were kind of in the middle because Happy Feet one was so good and the reviews on this one were like, eh. It's like, yeah, there's nothing objectionable about it. Kids will like it. The art is often very beautiful. There's Under Pressure is a hard song to use in a movie. Mm. Yeah. And they find a really good way to do it. To dance to, at least. Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, it's when they bring in the elephant seals to to try to break up some ice I mean, to free all the penguins. We all remember, Diana. I know. Reminding us. I know we did. I'm just trying <laughs> to distract myself from the number one movie I know. at the box office. Uh, Sonia doesn't Girl? know what movie we're about to talk about. We've been teasing another adaptation. That would be Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, which is number one at the box office this week. Ashley Green, Elizabeth Reyes. I'm countering a lot of these names for the first time. Peter Fascinelli, uh, Nikki Reed, Taylor Hotnier, Robert Pat Inison, uh, and Kristen Stewart. Number one at the box office this, this week, uh, The Twilight Saga, <laughs> Breaking Dawn Part 1. Get ready. They're coming for Bella. They're not going to touch her. On November 18th, every moment... Every battle has led to this. They have something I want. The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn. Um, so we could basically blame Harry Potter for why every movie felt that it needed to conclude with two movies of the yes. past. So. Harry Potter is the only one that pulls it off. This yeah. and Hunger Games really didn't. This Hunger one so is the most egregious example. Uh, Basically, uh, uh, three uh, minutes of plot happen in this, and the follow-up, that movie could be an email. Oh, uh, why? <laughs> 100%. Of, of why not to, to break a movie in two, you're saying? Yes. This movie okay. is hot fucking garbage. Okay. Can, I ju- can I just say, I don't want to talk at all, and I just want to hear you guys rant about this, because <laughs> I, I actually tried to watch this and made it a half an hour into it, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, I feel good about my decision to do this, because I, now I know how every girl I dated feels going to like the seventh Marvel movie with no... Like, <laughs> why is that guy a wolf? Uh, he, it happened last movie, honey. You should have asked earlier. Uh, and like, and I, I don't know what's going on. Why, why is she hallucinating weddings <laughs> i have no idea i'm so confused and then by the, by the time it started getting like objectively bad and like no one cares what i have to think about this and the floor is yours in the interest of full disclosure i read all the books and Why? i it was it was a I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but it was certainly a something that I indulged in that I knew that it was like, you know, this is just a fun little thing. It's like thing eating that I'm lard. Doing. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, this is the only acceptable Taco Bell of only acceptable way for a woman to express horniness with a book. Precisely. <laughs> We're always looking for that. So I actually did not follow all the movies. I watched some of them uh, with some friends. We would like kind of make a thing out of it, go get drunk, go to the movie theater, watch it, whatever. By the time this movie came out, I was done with the Twilight series and Stephanie Myers. And so I watched this for the first time this weekend Ooh, after boy. having read the books. And I was truly shocked to my core by how poorly made this movie is. It's very bad. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> this was a insane like nationwide phenomenon how does this movie look this bad 
with this many people being in the fandom. I just don't get it. Mm -hmm. The whole movie exists in the Uncanny Valley. There (laughs) is so much CGI that looks so bad. Mm -hmm. The movie's disturbing, not because of any sort of plot points as far as what does it mean when a vampire and a human get together and then she gets impregnated by his weird vampire sperm which he why would any vampire do that i'm watching all of what we do in the shadows well that would never happen yeah (laughs) none of that is disturbing what's disturbing is the fucking cgi yes yeah it's is really bad although i don't know it's it's the funniest thing in the universe the footage of them with this like fake doll baby that they tried before they decided on a cgi baby which why it just looks like a regular baby just just get a fucking baby the doll baby is so off-putting that even the actress holding it is like do we really have to (laughs) do we really look it up on youtube it is 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 this something they scrapped like uh (laughs) yeah they ended up scrapping using a doll and just cgi'd a baby which i it just looks like a regular baby but we haven't even gotten into the part two movie whenever that shows up where the crazy toddler. Okay, I do have one question. That's been memed, memefied. Like, I do have one question. I have a lot of questions. Had, had they, had, they hadn't had sex before now? No, because so they're, they're Mormons. This is so a Mormon allegory. I saw their, yeah, they right. literally destroy a bed. That's the first time they fucked. Yes. Yeah, that okay. was my first night too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, so the plot. Okay, we, go ahead. Okay, the plot, such as it is, is they get married. They haven't had sex yet. They go on honeymoon to an island off Brazil that his family owns. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're vampires, so they've amassed all this wealth so they can just... And they still go to high school for some reason. Why Um, don't they live on the island where no one will bother them? No, you gotta go to the Midwest and fuck teenagers. Why do you have to go to high school? Okay. Well, to be fair... No, don't be fair. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, to be fair, the patriarch of the family, played by Peter Fascinelli, I cannot remember his character's name. Carlisle. Yes, Carlisle. He is a doctor, and so the idea is that he wants to, like, continue to help people, because he's a good vampire. He's one of the good ones. Right, they're one of the good ones. Okay, so they they get married, they go on the honeymoon, they fuck once, and then he's like, oh, that was bad. We're not going to do it anymore. And then we have a whole rest of their honeymoon what? where, well, first of all, this is after a wedding that lasts longer than the one in the Deer Hunter and the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on forever. Okay. Wait, but The wedding in the Deer Hunter lasted longer than my actual wedding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so they fuck once and she's like, could we fuck again? And he's like, no. No, I may hurt you. I may kill you because I'm so turned on by you because and so into this you. This is a metaphor for how 14-year-old girls think about sex. They're attracted, yes. but they're also afraid of pain. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Then it turns out from the fucking once, she is now pregnant and now and the baby is growing super super fast and then they bring her back to Washington state and they hide her by lying to her dad who is a cop and a terrible one <laughs> saying, Oh no, she's sick from being in Brazil. No, she can't. You can't see her. And it's like, you flew on a private jet. Why is she still sick in Brazil? Why isn't she in a hospital? Why is she back revenge. here? She's probably going to shit herself. Right. <laughs> and so then they have, then it becomes about abortion. The whole rest of the movie is about mm-hmm. abortion mm-hmm. how this baby yeah. is killing her, but they don't want to get rid of it because she's always wanted to be a mom question mark. And then the baby fucking kills her. The end. 
Wait, what? <laughs> is that really? Oh, like... also, that's really what happens. Yeah. Also, the oh. werewolves are mad because they're making demon babies, and that's not cool. Which was is against that... the covenant or treaty or something. Is that why the guy um, from the Ridiculous Six turns into a wolf and runs away in the beginning? Because yes, I, again, I, <laughs> um, I need to die. One needed... good thing I could say about Twilight is it has a lot of indigenous actors in it, and they really hey. tried, except for Taylor, yeah. Taylor Lautner, who is not native. A bunch of people I knew uh, applied to be in the movie. <laughs> Oh, wow. um, yeah. my, my friend Kaioa is a uh, place Embry. So like, oh, cool. I know a few people in there. But yeah, like it's it's really funny to me because that was like, the one I... part I like, Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> My one friend, yes. yeah. Anyway, the reason I like the first movie because it actually looks like a movie. It has its own like look, mm-hmm. and it lo- like mm-hmm. it actually had some love put into it. All the other ones were obvious cash grabs. That not mm-hmm. even like the worst Harry Potter movie is a lot better than the best mm-hmm. movie in this one, mm-hmm. except yeah. for the first one. The first one I really like. Like 100%. F- I don't really like the first one, but I like it better than the other ones. Yeah, the first one has some style. The second one, no. The third one I actually find fairly watchable. And then we go to this one, which I seriously oh, right. cannot think of a movie I hate more than this. The ooh, first ooh, time ooh, I watched ooh. it, like as you know, watching it to make fun of it, I spent the next like three days just every now and then just thinking of a new question I had that infuriated me. And I wrote them down and I have more than a hundred of them. <laughs> you know what? It's not only incomprehensible, but it's also fucking ugly. Yes. Yeah. That's why I hate is... the last time. They're gross. It's so gross looking because, and like I said, with the uncanny valley of it all, like they don't even try to make anything real. It's directed by Bill Condon, who did fucking Dream Girls and Gods and Monsters. Yes, what is he doing? I don't know. I don't get it. Who does he owe money to? It's an obvious check thing, and like, like it bothers me because, like, in the second movie, they have Lee Pace and uh, Rami Malek, and I'm like, how do you make Lee Pace and Rami Malek ugly? How did you do that movie? I hate you. And Michael Sheen popped in at some point too, right? Yeah, but he looks really weird. It was like terrifying. Terrifying. I was just like. Still, fun. yeah, yeah, it's I just really upsetting. It is fucking bonkers that they thought that this was enough plot for a whole movie. Like, okay, again, we were running into that adaptation problem of we have to show every single thing that's in the book, but it really doesn't because none of it pushes the plot forward mm-hmm. such as it is. There's so, a very tiny bit of plot and there is a lot of standing around. So much of the whole series and the I think the pun intended thrust behind <laughs> this whole series is long is about longing, it's about sexual repression, it's about wanting what you can't have sexually. And I think that the filmmakers in making this thought that they were delivering on a promise that the readers of the books wanted, which is let's see these characters fulfill what they had wanted for so long, which is getting married and then having sex. Yeah, but I never asked reality, I never asked them to, to show them come inside nothing. her. <laughs> right. But then after they have sex the first time, there's a huge chunk of the movie that is just her like putting on sexy lingerie and him laughing at her. But that, yeah. but that but understand like that is a big the denial of sexual urges and like I want you so bad but I can't have you is part mm. of what made this series very attractive to a certain population and so to continue that even within the marriage realm it was part I think of the allure for a yeah. lot of people and, and Sarah, it's Sarah, that Sarah, idea of like I want though, you yeah. so bad but I can't have you and Sarah, because <laughs> I am so 
I am so attracted to you that I might kill you with my yeah sexual but, urges. So I, instead- I used to be a teenage girl, and when I wanted to express my burgeoning sexuality as a young woman, you know what really got me off was a man telling me no. <laughs> that is so hot. When I'm like, I am starting to discover these things, and he's like, ha, 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 no. Spin it. Well, oh. the, like I, I just hate that people are different into in, into different things. People are into different things. Well, and I think the the big reason why I never liked Twilight was because like it made vampires not fun. Like you know what? Like in Unrise, like you were drawn to them because they were ancient, they were intelligent, they were sexy, aristocratic, and like. And yeah. and things like they it was like the Cenobites and like Hellraisers to me like they Ooh. promise something more you know what I mean like <laughs> you, they go further than sex if that makes sense yes. and so and that like they totally white bread vampires in this narrative that really bothers me and it's like why don't you just make it about Mormons then and again like, I, re- I, <laughs> I really don't want to talk that much but I thought Dracula and vampires existed in fiction because you couldn't write about sex it was yes right. all uh, sex yeah, largely. exactly. That was what it was. It was sex. Well, it's like that scene in Big Mouth. You write about everything around the sex. That's what makes it sexy. And so, like with Anne Rice specifically, it was all, like they always make the mention. Yeah, they can't. The vampires in the story can have sex. It's just that there's better things yeah. to right. them than sex. So it's right. like, it's yeah, all about like sensuality which they can't have to some extent because they're immortal and they, you know. So to make the vampires in Twilight so normal, they mm. want to be normal. We don't want our vampires to want to be normal. Yeah, we want our that's... vampires to want to be all powerful and to seduce us and into to be scary. Their game, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's part of that's the weird thing about Twilight is that Edward does not want to turn Bella into a vampire. She has to beg him for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that, is yeah. that what happens Which when I she still, dies? I still don't understand why they don't turn her into a vampire before the wedding and then they get married. Yeah. Or yeah. right after the wedding, or there's... like, yeah, why does she want to fuck as a human? I yeah, know. Yeah, this, this guy's there's... concept of forever is so much different than hers. Yes, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he wants her to live a life like he wants her to live the Highlander life where he gets to be eternally immortal and he and she gets to die a, a human death like he wants. And I'm just like, and so like, I think that's why it bothers me so much is because Edward treats her like a child. And essentially she is, she's like, she drops out of school at 18 and like marries like this 120 year old guy. And like, Mm -hmm. and lies to her parents about it. And like, you know, alienates her family and her friends when she is about to die. Like still, it does not come clean about it. Mm -hmm. Look. I was Team Jacob the entire time, and yeah. I still continue to be Team Jacob until he fell in love with a child too. What and I was like, oh, I can't oh my even. god, oh my god, what? that is more disturbing than just about anything. He will be helping raise this child to groom her to be his partner what? forever. Yeah, what if she I, doesn't love him back? No, he. Okay, so yeah. So, so hold on, I, can I go back? Let's just, spoil just, the whole movie for you, Chris. So yeah. she dies in demon baby childbirth. And they take the baby out and uh, Jacob, the werewolf guy, sees it and imprints on this kid. So he is like her soulmate now. He is in love with a newborn baby. And she so, has no choice in it, basically. I shouldn't ask. Because they, like... have to, they have the creepiest line explaining it where Bella asks that question, like, well, what if she doesn't want to be with you? And he says, like, well, uh, like, he's been in her life for so long. Why would she say no? And I was like, 
Ooh, like, gross. So like he describes it as she if she needs a brother, I'll be that. If she needs a friend, I'll be that. If she needs a lover, I'll be that. And I was like, <laughs> so it's basically ewing all around here. Yeah. Um, so there's a second movie after that? Yes. There, there is, and it's. Um, How does this get better? Well, uh, it, it, it has only... a lot of violence in the next one. Yeah, pays off. I remember finding out about it, and I'm like, hardcore. Yeah, people losing heads and like jaws being ripped open, and then you find out, oh no, it was just a vision. Yeah. Like everybody's okay, and I was like, yeah. uh, 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 when uh, when we get to it, I I will go off pretty hard on that too. Yeah, with the whole Team Edward, Team Jacob question, I'm Team College. Yeah, I'm Team which is that. a yeah. word that no one says. Everyone's like, oh yeah, the eighteen year olds are getting married. Also, the night before your wedding, if the potential groom uh, sneaks into your room to tell you about how he murdered a guy after watching Bride of Frankenstein, honey. Yeah. <laughs> call it off i want to marry bella's dad he seems like the only good he's one. like the right? only yeah. i just how is this a movie nothing fucking happens until they just start ranting about abortion it's so fucking dumb <laughs> if you want it's to watch so it long, it's so dumb the exact movie that the twihards wanted that's I think. Yeah. what they Don't wanted you... they wanted it scene for scene shot for shot what they wanted the book and that's what happens people <laughs> the point of it all is the longing it's not the being together it is the longing and it is y'all the being together is actually yeah. pretty great i can tell you from experience watch the, uh, if you want to watch a movie a better movie about longing watch the lake house with Keanu reeves and sandra bullock that's Ooh. a lot better yeah, it's a very know. good movie. It's a it's about longing and is there, like is there Chris, letters you know, to each other Chris cover time? your ears for a second. Gotcha. Um, it, he ends up uh, like being the one that has to wait for her. So it's just Ooh, like, oh hey. yeah. So I was like, that. So, Chris, you can now cover your ears now. <laughs> so when does she get off the bus? Oh, was that not Sandra Bullock? Which would, would you? Yeah. <laughs> <Sweet> reference. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely wow. blank looks at him. Ice, ice, very hard. <laughs> I, I guess I named the second most famous movie with those two people in it. My bad. The Lake House, everyone. <laughs> Who could forget yeah. John DeBont's so, Lake House? Please put in the comments. Do you have anything nice to say about Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part One? I would love to hear someone. Oh, it who made my friend likes uh, it. I, I would money. Anna Kendrick, yeah. Anna Kendrick giving us a little bit of a taste of Bridesmaids, I was honestly, shocked she with was her in... Bridesmaids yeah. speech that she does. That I needed to fucking see. Yeah, are she doing okay? That. That's nice. Yeah, no, please, Good someone. Is somewhere there is a person whose favorite movie is this movie, and I would like them to explain to me why, because I don't understand. When you think a bunch of wolves are coming to attack you and you live in a literal glass house, maybe turn some of the lights off? Yeah. I don't know. Why are the vampires burning fires all the time? Can I just say that? laser time, this is your time to shine. Get us to your Twilight Dimensions. Yeah, I I don't fault anyone younger or even, uh, you know, younger folks, lady folks for liking this movie. But the one person I know in my life who is over 40 years old and loves these movies is the worst person I have ever met. In my entire life, Sarah knows who I'm talking about. Agree. She is the yes. worst person in the in my world. I was going to say your mom. No, no, no. <laughs> unelected. Yeah, like else, the yeah. only the only person uh, the only unelected person I've ever wished was dead is this person, and she loves Whoa. these movies. So like, Whoa, I don't have a really I don't have a good look at the I don't have a good outlook on the fan base. For, for people around my age, but again, if you're younger, like, why wouldn't this book have been a phenomenon? It was, or these movies and books been a phenomenon. And again, I will say that I read all the books and I got, I, I enjoyed the soapiness and the fun of it and I got it and like, Sarah just 
remade her library to look like the Albertson checkout counter in 1989. It's just all these Fabio you posters. Stop. You stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's just like how we're saying with like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Is that anyone's favorite Harry Potter movie? Somewhere, someone will say yes. That's the best one. I would like someone to argue that this is the best Twilight movie, and please explain to me why. Because nothing really happens, and it's weird and dumb. Wait to uh -huh. reiterate. Are you saying is is this the worst Twilight movie? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hands down. I would say too. I would be okay even with the storyline and the beats and the plot if it looked better. It yeah. looks like fucking garbage. <laughs> like really the does. CGI, everything looks horrible. This might be the week with the worst CGI thanks to Harry Potter 1 and Twilight 4? Yeah, 4. Okay. I'm very confused. I forgot. Hunger Games is 3 with the right. double shot at the end, and this is a 4 with a double shot at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And man, I don't know what, how is there not a movie that's two hours and 15 minutes that's the two of these combined? Because there is not enough plot oh. for two movies at mm -hmm. all. I wish and The I Hobbit know, had learned the lesson from this movie. The Edward yeah, Tuck. and I know, it's the thick, I know it's the thickest of the books, but plot wise, nothing happens. Very no, thin. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. This is wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> I seriously, I was trying to think of movies I hate more than this. It make me, like, just angry. Like, I'm angry at this movie. Oh, yes. I was dismayed. <laughs> yeah, there's not many movies I'm still angry at anymore. It's, it's, it's like Phantom Menace kind of stuff. Like, I, I even yes, try and relax Menace, from that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Phantom Menace I like. I, I like, at least there's oh parts God. in there that you can, like, take out and stuff. Nope. Plus, I saw it at a formative time in my life, so. That's the only ah, redeeming factor. Yeah. You. Oh, dogs are mad now. The only this redeeming factor for Phantom Menace is Sonya. <laughs> this is the last thing I'm going to say about this, is that it could have been better. Yes. There, like, I'm not saying, the source material is what it is, like, you know, Stephanie Meyer. And that is what? Her agenda. It's not great, but it's fine. This could have been so much better. No, no, they could have done away. It's not like the source material is so bad that this is the best they could have done. Can I push you and on that's that? That's upsetting though? as well. But mm -hmm. like, isn't isn't the the feminist perspective on the material like bad to begin with? Yeah. Yes. So, but the, I guess we're four stories deep into this saga. It's Look, that's it's not going to improve. It's a very sexual story, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of layers here. Mm -hmm. So I'm unwilling to necessarily pass judgment on people who are a fan of this story and how they want to interpret it in their own lives. I'm just saying from a filmmaking perspective, oh, hell yeah. this That's movie terrible. <laughs> sucks. And based on the That's source awesome. material, which I read and is fine as escapist, as an escapist novel, they could have done a lot better with it. Sonia Ballantyne as a filmmaker agrees with you, Sarah. Like it's like it, no. it looks like shit. It looks like I shot it with Fu Fuji film with a disposable camera. Like it's terrible. It looks it looks like crap. Yeah, it's now, CGI is bad. I think there are not a lot of layers. I think there's one. I'll give you two layers. And yeah, this movie is terrible. It's terrible as a film. It's terrible as a story. It works on no level whatsoever for me. Phantom Menace is a great comparison where every now and then something will just uh, just pop in your head like, so Darth Vader built C-3PO? Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> That's how I feel about this. Why movie. was Jimmy Smith at her wedding? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Though I was happy to see Jimmy Smith in Rogue One. Like, I was me like, too. yeah. I'm, I'm shocked how excited <laughs> I get for prequel horseshit in the new movies. Uh, oh, my God. Good week for TV. Yeah. <laughs> what? It is.
It is. New Girl Thanksgiving. They have a Thanksgiving. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to highlight it a little bit because you get Justin Long in this episode, which I love because he works as a perfect analog to Jess, played by Zoe Deschanel. As a love interest, they're both like equally quirky, and it's kind of fun to see them interact together. But I also like to highlight this because this is a great Thanksgiving episode of television. And I think that Thanksgiving gets a short shrift when it comes to pop culture. And I, every time we get close to Thanksgiving, I want to watch Thanksgiving media. And there's not <laughs> as much out there as there is for Halloween. All you can, all you can watch Christmas. is a, a Charlie Brown special where they segregate the black kid and make him eat pretzels on the other side of the table. Yeah, it's, no, pass on that. Yeah, watch I it mean, again. Of it's great. Of course I'll watch Adam's Family Values. But sure. if we could compile a list of great television program episodes of Thanksgiving episodes. I would 100% love that. And the new girl almost always does a really good Thanksgiving episode. So I kind of wanted to highlight them for that. It should make for fodder for a good bottle episode every time. Like a Mm -hmm. giant group of people in a room unleashing themselves on one another. Yeah. And this is, I would not call it a bottle episode, but it's kind of close to it, honestly. Mm. So yeah, it's a great episode of television. I love the new girl. I've talked about it ad nauseum, and this is a a highlight from the first season. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm glad on the 18th somebody highlighted Regis Philbin's last appearance. Oh, I love Rage. And I I really loved Live, honestly. I loved his and Kelly Ripa's chemistry together, and he's just a great pop culture person and this was his last appearance on the show that he is most famous for and that he really revolutionized i think daytime literally the consummate host and changed how morning television was done because i i didn't know this until i heard david letterman david letterman will talk sincerely how he thinks regis philbin is a genius and deserves his job all the time and i i'm reminded of that because in the wake of Norm Macdonald's death. I know they say this every week, but I'm watching compilations of him on Regis and he's fucking sharp. He has a great way of talking. He talks really in that accent, very slowly, and then he yells for no reason. And and there's the best clip ever is Norm Macdonald is on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the charity edition, and he does his final answer horseshit so much that he talks Norm out of the right answer for children's (laughs) charity. For a million, Norm Macdonald almost won a million dollars for a children's charity. Final answer: Why are you asking me that, Regis? What is, is that? Is it? Is there something wrong? Like, I'm not saying that, Norm. This is your answer. It's, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, you were right, by the way. Ah, Regis. It was like... <laughs> it's such a fucking insane skill set that I yeah. don't think yes. exists anymore, and I don't know that there's a place for it. it would... Honestly, in like modern television, I would venture to say like the next person who could take Regis's place as far as that type of person would be Dave Holmes. I think Dave Holmes would be a great person. He's sharp as hell. He has a great knowledge of pop culture and the news and is kind of like a lovable everyman. And that's exactly what Regis was. I'm I'm not saying I'm good at it, but it's something I'd like to be good at. But as you can hear me by interrupting Sarah, I don't listen enough and I'm not qualified (laughs) for this job. Of course. But it's something it's a it's a skill I would like. I would like to be more Regis Phil, but yeah. he's Yep. I let you talk and then I'll yell and like, oh it's great. Also, <laughs> that dude was I think extremely cool and probably had so many stories that he took to the grave that I wish we knew. Ooh, you're you right. know, he Ooh. saw some shit. Yeah, he saw some shit. Never left yep. New York really and like uh lived that New York nightlife forever. Holy shit. He probably yeah. has done 
weird stuff with everybody. Let me tell you about this time. Me and Gail were getting hand jobs at the Gala Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) I meant to grab a clip for this. I apologize. Batman Brave and the Bull was a three-season, largely comedy-focused series, making fun Mm -hmm. of Silver Age DC stuff. And this episode is the, the finale, and it's one of those rare animated treats where they know it's a finale, and it's Paul Rubin's Batmite who is this interdimensional being who wants to fuck with Batman and he literally is trying to get Batman canceled. And <laughs> by by doing things to Batman that fans hate, including giving him a red-hot flame-encrusted luge toy <laughs> for him to use. And and it just does something so sweet. The thing I meant to capture is like, uh, who is even still watching this show? And they just cut to like a dad with a Batman shirt with his kid with a Batman shirt. And the dad's like, is this getting worse? And the son's like, that's still pretty good, dad. And he's like, okay. I was like, wow, that was like exactly the audience they were shooting for, making old guys laugh and their kids laugh at different times, but for the same reason. Yeah, Uh, this is Brave and the Bold is one I've caught a couple episodes of. It's so fun. They would get fantastic guest stars just to do something sort of wacky and goofy as just sort of a one-off. Henry Henry Winkler is ambush bug in this episode. And <laughs> normally John DiMaggio plays the Joker and they're just like, we've taken out John DiMaggio. We've added Scrubs, John C. McGinley will now be playing the part of the villain. And the voice just changes in the middle of the episode. It's, and it's fucking Scrubs dude, staying yep. against evil guy. There's a real good one just to tie this to the other week with the Neil Patrick Harris as the music meister, mm-hmm. who is a song and dance man who makes everyone sing and dance until they die. Just like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and this is all on HBO Max, by the way, so you can see it anytime you want. Yeah, um, and they also had a really good scene of the Birds of Prey singing um, the Birds of Prey song, which insulted a bunch of the heroes in the, the DC canon by basically <laughs> saying that they either had small penises or didn't didn't fuck long enough. <laughs> so <laughs> hey, look it up, Batman Brave and the Bold, Birds of Prey, you'll find it. Uh, I oh think my. Gail Simone wrote the song, so uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's nice. Catwoman, Black Canary, and uh, who's Harley the third Quinn? one? Yeah, uh, Catwoman Zantana? and Huntress. Yes. Huntress, so, all right. Yeah. Tyler Perry's Meet the Browns finale is also out this week. I yep. have never seen this show. Five seasons. Uh was on TBS, I think. Five yeah. seasons in a movie. That should be streaming on HBO Max because they, they would own it. Or yep. whatever Tyler Perry streaming service I've never heard of is called. On the 17th, the community episode, documentary filmmaking redo. God damn, their documentary episodes are fantastic. God damn. And so this this is a very explicit parody of Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse, the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now, which we will be talking about in two weeks when and, it hits its 30th anniversary. And Abed says it out loud. We I used the clip somewhere. I couldn't find it. Have you seen Hearts of Darkness way better than Apocalypse Now? For my dad's generation, he would <laughs> argue, but I showed him that for the first time last year. And he's like, I'm... This is fucking awesome. This documentary in Apocalypse Now. I'm like, I know. I never watch Apocalypse Now. I only watch this documentary. <laughs> I don't it, like Apocalypse yeah, Now. Yeah, it's very long. <laughs> and again, I have to say, I came from a deer hunter family. I am on team deer hunter. <laughs> <laughs> this was our family movie for a very long time. It's, it's also you put it on at Thanksgiving. <laughs> literally, my dad, I would be like doing my homework in high school. And my dad would be like, Sarah, get out here. The deer hunter's on. And I would have to go out and watch it. If, if you're a community fan, it is Jim Rash's best episode. Because he oh, does yeah. the most in this episode I've ever seen him do on the show. He is every kind of character. He is as mm-hmm. gay as you want him to be. He is maniacal. 
and it's a great episode for him. He does a lot of different things in this episode. Luis More Guzman should know his name. Jim yeah. Rash. Jim Rash is the show. Honestly, he does everything and does it all so well. He's an Oscar winner, one of the best Oscar mm-hmm. winners I can think of. Yes, and he also, when he won his Oscar, like made fun mocked, of Angelina Jolie. Mocked Angelina Jolie with doing the leg, and I don't think a lot of people knew what he was doing. I thought they just thought he was doing. Everyone in the leg audience thing. knew because everybody yeah. was staring at her leg, and yeah. in the audience. But everyone watching at home was like, "What is he doing?" Because yeah. the camera didn't linger that long. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, Jim Rash rules. He's one of my favorite appearances on Reno 911. Um, he's always in a whorehouse blaming everyone else for why he's being arrested. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's... So one of my favorite like part of writing team with Nat Faxon. Nat Faxon like, yeah. They mm-hmm. are together, just fantastic together. I love it. Parks so, and Rec this week airs the episode Smallest Park. Yeah, so this is, I just want to highlight it because this is such a romantic episode because this whole season, Leslie and Ben are just trying, to, they know they love each other, they're trying, but they cannot be together because of their jobs, her campaign, and so she puts together this like cockamamie idea to make Language. this little tiny park that they could be together because they could plan it at least, so at least they can be in each other's lives, and at the end they just decide fuck it, fuck our careers, fuck your campaign stuff, let's just be together and yeah. let love conquer all, and it's so sweet, I love it so much, and that's what we've all been wanting this entire season, so it's just a very romantic episode, and I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. And uh, SNL this week, your host, Emma Watson, musical guest, Cole. Nope, Emma, Emma, Emma Stone, my bad, Emma, Emma Stone, <laughs> Emma Watson, I got Harry Potter on the brain, Emma Stone and musical guest, Cole, there. <laughs> now say something funny. Bill Hader plays no, Rick Perry. Um, yeah, I don't know this episode at all. But just when you thought we were winding down, we've talked about some huge shit this episode. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. not done. Usually we're at games and Chris just sort of, oh yeah, then, you know, Super Monkey Ball, that's a big thing. We'll, we'll talk about that we, more. We, yeah, we, we, I have the, we're fortunate enough to have the venue where we talk about these at length on uh, a separate show, but it's really difficult because I think Grand Theft Auto, biggest selling property of all time. The second, I believe, is Minecraft, and Minecraft is 10 years old this week. Minecraft has moved more units than any game in history. GTA 5 is number two, mm-hmm. but like 40% fewer. That's how big yeah, but, the gap but GTA is. has always been $60, and Minecraft has always exactly. been 30 So like, mm, yeah. it's, it's possible more people have played Minecraft for a significant amount of time than Grand Theft yeah. Auto. And I'm, I'm sure if you combine all the GTA things, then yes, it would beat Minecraft. Sure. But as in one individual one property, it's insane. Minecraft is the biggest selling game of all time. Mm-hmm. Like 180 million people play it online that's, monthly. Still. Most people don't. I've been on numerous podcasts, on video game is. podcasts where I make jokes and people don't get it because they never actually played Minecraft. My mm-hmm. stepson, like, played it for a very long time. He dressed up as it for Halloween, like, several years ago. I don't... I at, at its core, it at its core, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a, a survival defense game where, like, things come at night and you build fortification to keep those things away from you at night. But right. there was so much of a combination Monster Hunter, oh, I have this kind of ore and this kind of dirt and I can combine that and make this. Like, a lot of people turn that shit off and just build stuff. Yep. Or, and... and, and Minecraft is a different experience. I, th- I think if you were to ask kids, there's at least four or five different experiences Minecraft is. It's not mm-hmm. what it was designed to be. 
it's something different for everybody. And, and for a lot of people, it's just, I, I remember when I worked at PC Gamer, we tur- I didn't know I could turn all that off and just play Legos with Minecraft. And we yeah, did. my yes. six-year-old nephew Porktrop is obsessed with <laughs> Minecraft. He is like, and he all he does is make things to make like lava pools and stuff like that. Yeah. He's amazing. I love him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I decided I started to play like regular Minecraft where yeah, little guys come at night and stuff, and I got bored. I I didn't want it. I just wanted to build Legos. You're right. It's just giant Legos. My neighbor's kids were so into it, and they would talk about like, oh, and then I traded this for that, and then I put those things together and I could make these and then I sold them to this other guy and it's like like are are you like cornering the market and something like this is are you selling stocks like it was really complicated but he had it all it like plays it online with his friends it's like okay I played it for like a couple hours and then I won and I will never play Minecraft again because did all really? I did was build a really long water slide <laughs> at the American. end of which was a big beautiful cave with a pool in it that I filled to the brim with pigs. Ah, that's my kind of pool. This is, this is also... <laughs> and they're just jumping around and having a good time. It's like, you know what? I think I've won Minecraft. I'm good. I, be- I believe this is also Minecraft hitting retail. It's been in beta for yeah. a long time. It is already a phenomenon before it launches. I should have brought the neighbor kid in here. <laughs> Get in here, kid. Because <laughs> it is... Man, it gets so complicated. Like, and then I traded the opals for the. I'm like, there's opals. What yep. do you do? Oh my, yeah. It, it, and I then think, I built it's, this it's better hard. pickaxe, and then I could do the. But, if, if you want it to be uh, gameplay wise, it's a survival game. Knowing what combines with everything and where to get all that shit will make you good at what most of Minecraft is. But I have literally turned all that shit off and just built whatever I wanted and had yep. a great time with it. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I'm not the right person to speak about Minecraft, but I assure you. Unlike everything else we talk about on the video game show for 302010 with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys, they've played even less than I have. So, <laughs> so, so I, I, yeah, they never understand Minecraft. But it's a, it's might be one of the biggest weeks in video games we'll ever talk about this week. Because this is, yeah. by the way, with, if you with if you this, don't the Xbox and the GameCube. In that, in uh, uh, the magic date is November 10th. That is the Christmas release date that uh, only recently mm-hmm. people started pushing. Like, let's just release it early January. We don't have to be up by November 12th. Call of Duty has been out November 12th every year for like the last 11 years. That's this is the big date. Ubisoft will put out two billion dollar games on the same on this date, having one eat the other. It's a big date, so that's gradually going away. Super Mario 3D Land is out for the 3DS, one of my favorite Mario games ever. My favorite optimized Mario games ever. I like it way more than 3D World. And I've streamed it. I've streamed the last level on uh, YouTube.com slash LazerTime, the hardest official Mario game, I'll say, that's ever been made in the 3D landscape, even though I didn't get to the one in 3D World, and I've been pointing out that's much harder. Halo Anniversary Edition is out in the most timely fashion I've ever seen. Uh, Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary for its uh, 10-year anniversary. Jurassic Park the Game, one of the stupidest things I've ever streamed. (laughs) Connect Disneyland Adventures. Would you like to walk around Disney Park 1-1 in real time and have them come to life before Disney bought Star Wars? And that is just a shuttered building in this game. (laughs) 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 However, Song of the South... 
fully interactive with characters, with voices, and Br'er Rabbit and Br'er... It's, I am shocked they did this 10 years ago. But you wow. can play it now in fucking 4K <laughs> right now on your Xbox if you wanted. Uh, one of the worst games I've ever played, Optimized for Connect, but it is like the most authentic Disney park. You can literally just walk around the Disney parks. So it's it's just Google Maps, but for no, Disney parks? No, it is. It, <laughs> you walk around as your avatar, and every time you walk, and like for we were streaming it and like, to me, that's bliss. Like, Oh, everything's where it's supposed to be. Everything's the right size. Really cool. And then you go in and play a mini game. It's like Buzz Lightyear's thing. And you hold your arms out and go, ha, wee. And when they, now you can play it on a controller. I'm like, this is the stupidest game ever made. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. Also, you can... when do I get my dole whip? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like seriously, there are tons of references like that in the game. It's the most, one one Disneyland game that's ever been made. Mario and Sonic are the London Olympic Games. I know none of us care, but that is a huge, one of the biggest sellers on Wii at the time. Mario and Sonic combined in the way none of us wanted them to. Marvel Superhero Squad, <laughs> Comic Combat, also not great. Need for Speed to Run, one of the worst Need for Speed games I've ever played. Saints Row the <laughs> Third, though, is fantastic. How do you? How did that perk Diana up? Because I've seen Michael playing it every now and then. I'll be like, hey, come in here and watch me do this stupid, crazy thing. And I'm like, oh, neat. Yeah. The Saints Row the Third is an uh, automatic classic. It's Grand Theft Auto, but less serious. Uh, and... Is it the one where Keith David's the president? Yes. Cool. And, That's uh, all I, I think in the, in the fourth one, you can just select Nolan North as your voice. Man, woman, Nolan North. <laughs> it's... Uh, Rayman Origins is out this week, which is a 2D game that I love. It is playing a cartoon. It's available on iOS at this point. But And Ultimate Marvel vs. Com- uh, Capcom 3. That's the one with Hawkeye on the cover because that's a character that can't be stopped. He's everyone's favorite. Everybody <laughs> wants to see more Hawkeye. 3D Classics Kirby Adventure for 3DS. I bought the, that and played the shit out of it. And Cooking Mama 4, which I love Cooking Mama, and I miss it. Um, but yeah, those are the games this week. Uh, we'll talk more about that on patreon.com slash laser time. Please join us there for that. We will talk very long, very drunkenly uh, about that and whatever spare time we can find in between all these podcasts we do already on laser time. Stay tuned because we do have a quiz right now and Sonya's going to play too. So we can see. Oh my God. You guys are going to destroy me. I would love to destroy two people. It's, I only usually get to destroy Sarah, but we're going to tell you who, who lived and died during this period. But I also have to die. Where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listen, nerd L E C I N E N E R D or follow the show at 302010 podcast. That's 3020 podcast coming up next week. Another massive week. 2001's a little bit quieter because everyone got out of Harry Potter's way. But in 2011, we have another Scorsese movie that feels like a Spielberg movie. That's about the I love, love that fucking movie. That movie's so children's. good. That movie's so good. And if Chris wasn't happy enough, we also got the Muppets oh. coming back to the big screen. Oh. Oh, I'm clapping my wrists together. Oh. <laughs> but the real draw is 1991, which... I don't know what the fuck these studios were thinking releasing three family movies up against each other. Lord, ugh, it's wild. I don't I don't know what you're talking it. about. I can't wait. Okay, <laughs> wait. Don Bluth is going head to head with Disney and it's not going to oh, work this... out. Holy it's shit. not going to work out for that little mouse going west because the Disney oh. Renaissance is on. We just don't know it yet. Uh, little yeah. Mermaid could have been a fluke. Beauty and the Beast? I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be crap. This should and be Jimmy. That... This should be Jimmy Stewart's last movie. <laughs> I. It might be. It, it, it is. And, yeah. It is. Uh, and but the, those two animated family movies are going head to head with uh, another family 
that is uh, do what they spooky. want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play, kick exactly. Adam's fa- oh, wait, I'm not going to say what it is. Yep, <laughs> altogether ookie. <laughs> Different eras. I don't know why it didn't come out for Halloween. I don't get it. Right. That's when I watched it, and it was fun. I mean, so, we'll all be seeing Ghostbusters in two weeks because this 2021 yeah. is the time we live all in. Right. Yeah, Sonia, what do you want to plug? Live from the Pool House, uh, my podcast I do with T.L. Foster about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Follow me at Honey underscore Child on Twitter and Sonia Ballantyne on Twitter for my less ribald feed. And Sonia underscore Ballantyne on Instagram. Don't follow me on Facebook because I'm boring and all I do is post Simpsons memes. So check it out. (laughs) Usually you dress as Florida. I've seen that like four times and I love it so much. That's how I'm going to get my husband. So, births and deaths. We had so many deaths last week, and this week we only seem to have one. Uh, 1991 is when we lost Tony Richardson, who is 63. Let's see, he directed The Entertainer, Look Back in Anger, Tom Jones, Blue Sky. Oh, He's the father of Natasha and Jolie Richardson, and he was an out and proud bi man at a time when that was not okay. And unfortunately, uh, he died of complications from AIDS. Aww. And moving on to our birthday segment, we're going to guess uh, with some clues who was born during this week of 3022. It's birthday time! Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong doodly-doodly ding-dong-doo. Oh, this was not easy to make hard. <laughs> uh, said my That's last lady. That's what she said. Oh, man. Why don't I just just say like the, the song from Hair. Anyway, turning 66 this week. Born November 13th, 1955 in New York City, the daughter of a Baptist preacher and a nurse. She grew up in public housing, dropped out of school, and worked odd jobs, including as a bricklayer and a mortuary cosmetologist. How about Meryl Streep? Elena Douglas. No. That would have been cool if it was someone from a movie. That right? Yeah. Well, and also Elena Douglas is like it six feet under as a... But no, uh, she took classes in avant-garde theater, and Mike Nichols became her mentor and helped her move her one-woman show to Broadway. Shit. Um... Julia Sweeney. No. We have talked about her in uh, the short-lived TV show Baghdad Cafe, Ghost of Mississippi. It is. It is Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, Suck it, ladies. I'm a man. I know women better than you. God damn. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's go through these because there's like a lot. Ghost of Mississippi, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, Deep End of the Ocean, Kingdom Come, Girl Interrupted. Long Walk Home, Captain Planet and the Planeteers, Cameo in House Party 2 that we just talked about, Monkey Bone, Rat Race, Soap Dish, Eddie. Homer and Eddie, unrelated. <laughs> Clara's heart. Star Trek: The Next Generation, Jumpin' Jack, Flash, Fatal Beauty, Burglar, and Ghost. For extra credit, can anyone tell me what her real name is? No. I, oh, please, please tell me it's it's, it's Fatal Beauty Burglar. Name. Fatal Beauty yep. Burglar is my new band name. Okay. No, it's Karen Johnson. Oh, whoa! Really? Yeah. And and she found she, out no she she actually isn't Jewish. <laughs> she chose an exclamation and a Jewish name. Yep. Yeah, uh, but she is a great grandmother, and she is the only black woman with an egot. Hell yeah! Damn, really, girl? Yeah, she might be the only black person with an egot actually. But yeah, whooping old bag. She's Yay. had a bit of a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of amazing. Yep, tends She's to be on the right side of things. Like, generally, if you like disagree with her on politics, like. Think yeah. about hard. Why? And she's gonna be in Picard season two. I I'm heard so that. Yeah. For that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and Pat- she also dated Ted Danson. Yeah. yeah. While he and was Frank in Langella. blackface. <laughs> what? And Frank Langella. Okay, I do want to know what those dates were like. Yeah. Ooh, me too. Uh, do the Skeletor Nixon voice. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, apparently she she's just a huge Trekkie. That's how she ended yeah. up on Star Trek. No, no, Whoopi so, Goldberg. So inspired if you, by seeing the one by seeing a black woman on TV. The one thing you'll hate about Whoopi Goldberg, every, like all the progressives listening, she is such an animation fan. She is the only celebrity who has put her foot forward to say, like, I think Song of the South should be released because I like it and I want to see it and I want to be able to buy it again. And when wow. when on the Tom and Jerry box sets where it's like adults only don't watch this the person who introduces these cartoons making excuses for the racism is Whoopi Goldberg she's presenting context I don't mean to say but Whoopi Goldberg's a massive animation fan and has Mm -hmm. fought for these to be released so like she's in my wheelhouse regardless of her EGOT which all that stuff I kind of like too nothing but great things to say about Whoopi Goldberg and I really love her being on the view and her, I don't give a shit. I will fucking push she's the shit in on this so, fucking blonde lady with her stupid she's so opinion. So beyond caring. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. the best part. It's like and, I don't I mean, care. I don't truly need this. achieved what you want, which yes. is just to have the career where you don't give a fuck. Yeah, and shout out to her wearing that beaded medallion to commemorate missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Uh, oh, she wore man. a red dress medallion, and yeah, like she wore it on the View. So shout out to her. She that's amazing. The work. Yeah, I wore that on our. Uh, never mind. I'm just gonna make a really bad <laughs> joke. Punch you right <laughs> now. Really no, no, I'm, I'm backing off because it's it's been nice to have all this lady energy. You'll notice. Not a single time did anybody bring up cryptocurrency or NFTs during this entire <laughs> conversation. Um, maybe should have fewer podcasts. Or you mean also. like cryptocurrency is kind of like monopoly money? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> In the way that nothing is real? No, it's like Cole's cash. <laughs> money! Oh, it's a Canadian tire money. Yeah. 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 Like money itself is not real. So like cryptocurrency is like double not real. <laughs> is this could the uh, cryptocurrency mean it's dead okay i'll stop now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right we will close out this episode patreon.com slash laser time is how you can support us we'll give you a lot of free shows over there that uh expand the experience of 30 2010 i know that sounded silly but it just does what are we closing out with yeah let's close out with some one direction i mean right. they the band we talked about the most old, on this episode yeah <laughs> they're a big old band they're pretty important i was double checking to see like which is the song that it really sounds like it's ripping off the who and and their fans sort of like no one's heard of the who and i'm gonna burn their house down if they try to stop one direction there's just this one it's a fine you know what what makes you beautiful there's also a really good amy schumer sketch about it so tell a friend about the show this has been a really fun episode check out sonia on live from the pool house and her twitter thanks you guys once again Right now